Welcome to the Nick and Matt Show. Bringing the player interviews you want to hear and the hot topics you want to discuss. Streaming live on the Foundation Podcast YouTube channel, here's Nick and Matt. What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? It is week number 41. I'm Nick. I'm with my co-host, Matt. We are the Nick and Matt Show, streaming now on the Foundation Podcast Network. Um, Matt, pretty crazy things happened today in your work life. You had a really busy day, so you asked me (laughs) to come up with the show notes and everything like that. And so me, having kind of like a pretty free day, I went hopefully above and beyond trying to do my best. Matt is normally the one who creates the shows, comes up with these amazing questions that we get to hear every single week, and also does all the audio stuff, the visual stuff. So Matt is a man of many talents, and he asked me to step up this week and kind of help out a little bit on that. So hopefully (laughs) it goes smoothly. (laughs) (laughs) I'm over here just smiling because I'm going to be like this. And what I'm excited about is honestly, I would love to see and feel the differences in just how Nick and I plan a show out. I'm I'm literally excited about that. And Nick mentioned that I had a busy day today. Nick, I've already been talking, no joke, for about nine hours in the virtual training world. I am a trainer in the utility world, and I was training on how dangerous or not dangerous, hazardous electricity can be. And mm-hmm. I've been doing that for nine hours. I'm excited to talk about disc golf. <laughs> so Exactly. <laughs> I am too. So I guess kind of one thing that both you and I did this weekend was we played in some local tournaments. So you sent me a text after your first round and you were leading the tournament. You shot what, like a 988 rated round? So Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to say so, but <laughs> not, yeah, 988. <laughs> That's like the second 988 I've shot this year. Um, nice. I will say maybe I should stop playing tournaments at this point. I'm I'm starting out the season too hot. <laughs> but that's I'm excited. It's like a Christmas gift to yeah. me. Um, I wasn't able no, to take down awesome. the win though. I lost by two. Uh, shot too many bogeys, ended even. But hey, I think did you you played a tournament as well, right? I did. I played one of the Blue Ridge Tour events that Foundation has been running all year out in Roanoke. So the course was about an hour and ten minutes away from my house and or the house that I live in, I should say. And um, unfortunately, did not have a good weekend, had putting yips really bad, timing was off and stuff like that. So played below my rating, which, you know, was a huge kind of like, I don't know, mentality swing of like, man, that was really, really poor. But there were some good shots. My flicks felt really good. There was stuff like that to take away from. But it just kind of proved that I got to go back out to a better routine, practice some more. And I can't have the mindset that I'm going to do great at every single tournament. I need to really work hard at that. So, so Nick, learning well, curves. Was there were there crickets this week? Did you hear any crickets after we called out uh, Hunter and Trevor? I was hearing crickets. No, I actually, it's funny. All right, <laughs> yeah, tell, tell me what you know. Crickets, but <laughs> I uh, I actually haven't even. I totally forgot about it when I saw them at the studio a couple like last week at some point that we called them out for the doubles match. So. <laughs> I think they're avoiding it. Yeah. Because Hunter hasn't said anything to me. And normally Hunter's a pretty, pretty big trash talker to me. So uh, I'll have to call him out on it. It's funny. He was actually just here about 20 minutes ago helping me out with the camera stuff. So, but, Nick, uh, you're wearing <laughs> you're wearing a hat that I have still yet to get for myself. It's really cool. I don't know how many people have them yet. I have not looked at purchases. Um, but we still have that giveaway. First person to have a hat on or, yeah, hat. There's different, different, three different hats. Show up and take a picture with you or me. Um, and post it like, yeah, we'll, we're, you're going to buy them a disc from foundation disc.com. 
exactly. <clears throat> and they have pretty good stock right now. I'm looking at all of it as we speak. So, Nick, last week was episode 40. What were we supposed to do every 10 episodes? We were supposed to have Simon on every 10 episodes. It was kind of this funny tradition that ended up working out to where he was on a lot, but every 10 episodes, Simon was our guest. And so last week, we unfortunately couldn't get him. He was too busy, didn't really care to come on the show again. And then today I convinced him to come on with his good buddy and our friend Avery Jenkins, 2009 PDGA world champion. So Avery's actually in Massachusetts at the moment. We're going to find out. Yeah, okay. Yeah, 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 just, you know, quick little spoiler, <laughs> designing a disc golf park. But uh, he'll be on the show with Simon. So we got kind of like a two-for-one deal with that. All right, Nick. So we've got, yeah, and Christine Jennings, Simon, Avery. Wow, what a, what a awesome show. I yeah, mean, right. it's, it's hard. I've said this before. I'm just going to be honest. And we're not complaining. But it's hard to line up guests last minute because we're waiting for we want to see the performance play out. And then they're, they're doing well. They go out to eat. They hang out. They, you know, they're traveling. This, this is a good lineup. Um, there was yeah. a lot that went down. Nick, let's talk about it. Mid America Open. What's what what happened there? First of all, tell people. I mean, Harmony Benz, world famous course. But like, yeah. what what happened and what was the performance recap for Mid America? Yeah. So storyline kind of with Mid America Open is that normally it's played at the Harmony Benz Disc Golf Course. Which, if you remember last year, at some point we had John Hauk. He is the world famous course designer, one of the best in the world at it. He's the one who designed Harmony Benz. And unfortunately, we weren't able to see that in action this week because of some flooding. And I think there was some snow and everything like that at the beginning of the week. So the course was too flooded to play. DGPT uh, CEO Jeff Spring actually had to make the decision to, instead of canceling the whole event, switch it to another course. And I don't know the course's name. I was watching the Central Coast coverage, but I didn't hear them uh, say the name. But it definitely wasn't up to the standards of Harmony Benz. But they were able to still play a silver series event. Yeah. I think, you know, there was, it's interesting, right? I feel like there's a lot of PR decisions in there as in relation to like, Oh, for player safety, they never really said that, but like there was players complaining about the possibility of safety issues. Now safety is a real thing. That's my profession outside of disc golf. Um, yeah. But man, it's only unsafe if you play it unsafe, meaning like if it's a, if it's wet or mucky, like you got to do standstills, but I, I, nobody wants to watch that. So I think they made the no, right play exactly. and for the, and for the protection of the course, imagine mm -hmm. that walking all over that sloppy mess. That I'm sure is one of the big things, obviously with erosion and everything like that. And foot traffic is only going to make all that 10 times worse when the conditions are already bad enough as it is. The, so the course, Nick, by the way, I think. The course, by What's the that? way, was Albert Oakland Park. <laughs> Nobody's heard of oh, it, okay. at least in this area, <laughs> at least out, outside yeah. of there. They probably know what it is, but yeah, I was watching the coverage. It looked like, you know, it was a fun, casual park to play in. Um, I mean, wasn't like anything that I think I would rave about, but at the same time, watching coverage of it was fun. I kind of, as I was doing show notes today, was watching, so I didn't get to see every single hole exactly how it is, but for the most part, it was pretty good coverage, but Unfortunately, with those weather conditions happening, notable names didn't end up going to the event that were signed up. I mean, like Paul McBeth and Hannah McBeth were both signed up for the tournament. They decided to go. I think Adam Hammes was debating on playing the event. He decided not to go. They ended up actually going out to Emporia a couple of days early because the scheduling between the two events, there was only going to be two practice days for people to get in for uh ddo which is unfortunate i think brody smith was originally going to play the silver series event ended up just going straight out to emporia the kind of funny thing and ironic was they were all trying to leave missouri and get out of there asap to head to kansas 
and then it snowed in Kansas. So it was kind of like, <laughs> what the heck is going on in the middle of the country right now? But and it's then the also same for the thing. FPO side of it, <clears throat> it's the, the FPO s- side of it, Paige Pierce wasn't there, Haley King, Katrina Allen. There were a couple players, definitely some big time notable, not to take anything from the winners at all, but uh, definitely some big names that ended up not going out to the event. Yeah, I was just going to say the weather was what we saw a week before at MVP Open Amsai. <laughs> the snow is yeah, just moving nuts. for some reason east to west. But, dude. Well, luckily here in Virginia, we had no snow. We just had rain on Saturday night, and then it was it was pretty windy on Sunday. This is a larger topic that I think you and I will have to discuss at some point this season. It's mm-hmm. not in our notes tonight, and I don't think it necessarily had to be. But just to tease it out that we will talk about it at some point. Like, notable players not showing up to this event is not a big deal in my mind because since when has a silver series ever meant anything anyways, except for, and I could be wrong, but I'm interested in others' opinions here. Yours as well, Nick. Silver series never mattered at all until this year, as in like the public eye. Like it was a thing. It was pretty new. That's part of it. It It's pretty new. But once they announced live coverage for the final round, I think that's where it really, people feel like it's really is something now and I can watch it. But I'm going back and I'm trying to undermine my hot take with Calvin. That's what I'm really doing here. Like Calvin won a silver series. (laughs) Just kidding. But anyways, I I think that's an interesting topic. Why do they matter? Should they matter? Why are we making it a bigger deal now? But Ezra Aderhold, you you have him in the notes, not me. And I'm just interested. What's your take on that? I'm really surprised. I'm not going to lie. So with Ezra, Obviously started out the year incredible. Second place at Vegas. We've talked about it, I think, pretty much every single week since the event happened. Um, I was scrolling down, just looking at notable players who, you know, played well or did not play well. And then I had noticed that Ezra missed cash by one stroke. And this isn't the first time that he's missed cash all year. It's happened a couple times now. That was definitely huge. I was kind of like, I, I honestly, I didn't even think he went to the event. That's where, you know, all of a sudden I'm scrolling down the list and it was just a major surprise that he missed cash at this one. So I saw him post about it today, though. I mean, he said he's just had kind of like a tough mental game lately, but through the words of some friends has found some very encouraging thoughts to go forward with it. So hopefully all the best to Ezra, but he'll start competing back at that high level that we were expecting at the beginning of the year. I'm just going to say, I don't know if we will. And, but, but when I say that, I want people to know inside of me, I'm rooting for him. I, I'm rooting for all players to do well. Like, um, but it, I think the reason why it took a storyline is because he, there was so much hype coming into this end of the last season. And yeah. then he actually like performed like that. And then it's kind of like, it's not there and it just keeps not being there. I, I mean, when I say, I don't know if we will, I mean this season. Like, I see potential in him. Obviously, he can do it. So, all right. MPO recap, amazing performance by someone that I've been waiting on for a while. I didn't have any hot takes on him, but Kyle Klein, um, 27 under par, winning by two strokes. And this is is a silver series, for sure. Mm -hmm. But there were were good players there. Chris Dickerson, Mm -hmm. Emerson Keith, just to name a few. Uh, Who else was, was there? Yuli? Um, Yuli was there, Jeremy Colling, Connor O'Reilly ended up placing fourth. I mean, there was definitely some big names. Ezra obviously is a big name. He was there. Um, but yeah, Kyle went in with a solid mindset towards everything and took it down, which was great. Live coverage the last round, Central Coast covering him. And 
his putting looked great. I think one of his biggest issues is, and this is what I've seen personally, is if his putting isn't going well, he's such a hard spin putter that, you know, if he's putting, his putting is just a little bit off, he's going to be, you know, from 30 feet putting again at 30 feet if he misses wide right or wide left. You know, that's just how hard he putts. So watching the cover today, it looked like his putting was on. I remember on like hole seven or eight, he had a putt for eagle and he actually put it at dead center with a little bit of hyzer and it just went right to the pole, right through the basket, splashed out the backside. I felt kind of bad, actually. It happened a couple of times to different players, but that's disc golf for you, honestly. Nick, we're going to keep nailing the fact that you made these show notes because they're so good. What was the stat that you <laughs> discovered? 138 throws. How'd that work? What What was that for Kyle? So... This is funny. I actually thought of it. I'll try to say this story pretty quick, but I remember winning my first tournament and thinking, okay, it took me this many throws to win the tournament. How much money did I make per throw? So Kyle took home $4,000 playing the three rounds of disc golf over the three rounds. He threw the disc 138 times and it ended up averaging to just about, it was a little under $29 per throw. Everything, every single time he threw the disc, he made $29. And I know it doesn't sound like a lot of money, but four grand is pretty good money to play three rounds of disc golf and spend the week in Missouri. But like, that's just a cool stat. Every single time you threw the disc, you made $29. And I've looked at tournaments with like, you know, Paul Macbeth when he's won Worlds or like when Will Shushik won USCGC and made like 10 or 12 grand. Like you look at it that way and then that $29 turns over to like over $100 and everything like that. So I thought, I thought that was kind of cool, but it was also the third one of the year for Kyle. <laughs> Other two wins came from C tiers and his best finish at an elite series event so far this year is seventh at Waco. And then the last silver series event that he played was the open at Belton. He plays 19th at that. So that's a fun way to break it down, Nick. I think I made like maybe 70 cents per throw the last weekend. (laughs) I told my dad one day, I was like, after I won a tournament, I think I made like 310 bucks from it and i was like dad i made like four dollars or five dollars a throw or something like that and he was like when you put it like that it's kind of cool and i was like yeah every single time i threw a disc someone threw an abe lincoln at me and but how often but let's be fair how often is it reversed where you're like that throw cost me five dollars that throw like as in like you're not cash oh yeah so you had to pay 250 to get into it yeah you've been there I've, yeah. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> I've lost a lot more money thinking about it like that. That used to be but how it I is played. What it is. It's, it's the love of the game. That's how I used to play paintball too. I, this was way back oh, in the God. day. I would load up on cases of paint and I'd be like, I'm just shooting nickels or quarters out of my gun. Yeah. Well, it was 60 bucks for 2000 paintballs and that's like a decent brand of paintballs. I remember paying or my dad paying 60 bucks per box of them. And then yeah, we stopped playing paintball pretty quick. <laughs> but now we picked up disc golf and we pay to throw Frisbees. All right, FPO recap, exactly. Nick. Um, Heather Young. This is exciting. I'm glad she got a win. Was Paige there? Was Katrina there? Do I have to even put that out there as like to taint her win? No, of course not. Mm-hmm. I think she performed well uh, with players that have performed well previous to her. Ellen Widboom, right? Um, Vanessa Van Dyken playing pretty well. Missy Gannon. I, so let me let me build the field up for sure. Paige being in Hawaii, Katrina taking some trip out of the country, maybe, <laughs> maybe Mexico or New Mexico. I don't know where she's going. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Somewhere else after her win to celebrate, I'm sure. Um, so Nick, tell us about this FPO recap. Uh, how did she win, Heather Young? So she won her division by two. Uh, or excuse me, she won the tournament, finishing two over par. She won by one stroke over Vanessa Van Dyken and Ellen Widboom. And then I think after the first round, 
Heather was tied for the lead and then had a one stroke lead after the second round and then just kept it going the third round and ended up just winning like that. Um, she cashed out $2,500, which is awesome. I think that's incredible for the FPO payout. Uh, she threw the disc 167 times, which averaged out to be just about $15 a throw. So <laughs> there you go. same thing. That's pretty awesome. I, I like that. It makes it sound cool. And to throw but, it out there, I was building up the field a little bit, you know, besides Paige and Katrina not being there, but Missy Gannon had yeah. won this event in a previous year. Now, granted, it wasn't at this venue. Was it at Harmony Benz? Is that where it's been that not, previous? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Last year, I'm pretty sure it was at Harmony Benz. I'm not sure which year Missy had won it, but I'm sure in years past, it's always been at Harmony Benz. Yeah, I, th I thought, and maybe I'm wrong, and I feel bad now, but I thought Missy Gannon won that. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong in the chat there, or if you know. Um, so, in Cat Merch, obviously, that was a name that's, I, I don't want to say up and coming, She's made, you know, several appearances for some really good rounds she's put down in previous years. Um, she finished in a sixth place, which was last cash, $320 take home. Um, av average 914 rated through the event, three points above her rating. Uh, so she pretty much played her rating, which again, yeah. which again, I feel like should be about true always. Mm -hmm. It seems to me like it's only the top elite level who are going to really pop off those hot rounds. But yeah. typically you're going to be right around your rating unless you're doing something to excel, accelerate your performance, like practicing really, really hard, like having someone coach you. So ratings are coming out pretty accurate, it seems like. Um, anything else we need to know about FPO recap as I get ready to bring in our, our guest here. Um, let's talk no, about it. This, let's talk about yeah, it. Yeah. That was kind of my, my takeaway was, um, this is the second tournament that cat has actually cat merch has actually cashed at. And so I had kind of written down in the notes saying like, you know, she's playing well. She's obviously, she went up in her points rating the last update and then she cashed at a silver series event. And I'm kind of wonder maybe she prematurely went out on tour or if she feels like she's in the right spot right now. But I feel like she, you know, wherever she's from, I feel like she would dominate the local area, get more experience and everything like that, and then maybe get out onto the road, start competing again. But, I mean, to be honest, if she has the means and the ability to go out and compete right now, there's no reason not to. So hopefully things go well for her in the future. I'm looking forward to seeing it. She was definitely my notable this week. Yeah. Um and I just can't, I guess I'll say it again. I think it's just so cool. I'm just moving back to Heather Young. I just feel like mm -hmm. we, she's a great putter. She, I think she's up and coming. I personally feel mm -hmm. like, and this is me now picking somebody else's game apart instead of my own, but that's what we do here. <laughs> that's our job. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I think she needs to learn how to throw harder. Mm -hmm. Can she get, she, can she take away that Paige Pierce? Like nobody's doing well. Katrina Allen throws pretty hard. She throws really well. Uh, Haley King. So can Heather, that's it. Can Heather Young take away what they've figured out? Then Heather Young is like a dominant force. Like she will be just as hard exactly. as Paige Pierce. Yeah. So. Her putting's insane. And, you know, all the kudos to her for that. But backhand and forehand, she definitely does need a little bit more distance with that to start competing regularly at these big events. All right, Nick, we've got, because um, I, I think you can see, we've got uh, Christine Jennings in our green room. Are you ready to bring her in? 
let's bring her in. All right. Awesome. Welcoming to the show, Christine Jennings. There's, there's too many accolades to give up, so I don't want to say them all, but welcome to the show, Christine. <laughs> Hi, thanks. How are you guys doing today? We are doing very well. I was very happy you were eventually able to get back to me about coming on the show tonight. I had actually, yeah. it's funny, I had written the show notes in preparation that you were going to be on the show. So I'd already had all the questions and everything like that right now. And if for okay. some reason you weren't able to come on, I would have just said, you know what, Matt, let's delete this section, but ended yeah. up working out perfectly. So awesome. we really appreciate cool. you taking the time out of your day and coming on. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me. So I guess we'll start out with this last weekend. You had a big win in Kentucky. Yeah. Tell us about it. Oh, Okay, so we left, I'm going to start two weeks ago, just for backstory. We left two weeks ago, and normally we go for, like, weekend tournaments. We don't travel a lot, and so we ended up making a big trip out of Jonesboro. We went south to Arkansas, and on the way back home, Bowling Green, Kentucky was on the way home. So we just stopped there and stayed there for the week instead of actually coming all the way back to Ohio and then back down to Kentucky. So I actually, when we went to Jonesboro, I played pretty well in the first two rounds, and then it rained on the last round, and I didn't do so well. So I was like feeling pretty good about my game. And then we went to Bowling Green and we had pretty stiff competition. Like the FPO field was, you know, people similar to my rating and people even higher than my rating. So naturally, you know, I don't have expectations of beating anybody. So we just went to go play in the first round. I played pretty clean. And that's all I was trying to do. Like a lot of these courses at Bowling Green are really park style golf. It's not really technical. So I just try to keep it clean as much as I could and ended up shooting like a 970 the first round. And the second day, it was raining. Um, luckily, we missed the rain on the last half of the round. Um, so I was able to keep my stuff dry enough to where it wasn't soaked by, you know, the drier half of the round and mm -hmm. ended up shooting pretty well there. And then I had a seven stroke lead going into the last day. So then I was really nervous and I just tried not to lose the seven stroke lead in the last round. Mm -hmm. And I ended up pulling it off. Nice. I was going to say a very good round. Second round. It was 995 rated, right? It was. Yes. That's awesome. So what was it like competition wise between you and your different competitors? Cause you're more of like, you're picky and choosy when it comes to which big events you're going to go to. So, yeah. but you've obviously played with touring pros before you've probably played with Paige Pierce. You probably played with Katrina Allen at this event. You played with Jessica Weiss. I'm sure she was on your card. Yep. You know, what is that like kind of competing and being ahead of the touring pro that you're playing against? I try not to think about that stuff too much. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, Lisa and Jessica are, I don't know, when I look at them, I think of them as touring pros, me not so much because I'm not on the road all the time like them. So like it, it low key is intimidating to play with those touring pros that are on the road that do this for a living. And so, like I said, I just try not to think about it so much. And I mean, we're all friendly. I, I tend to think that yeah. I'm friends with everybody that's out there. And so I just kind of, keep my cool and, you know, enjoy my time with them. You know, Jess and I talked about, you know, double G and his jerky. And, you know, I caught up with Lisa on what she was doing, you know, instead of Jonesboro and things like that. And you just kind of like have conversation. And I like to do that to kind of keep it feeling casual and not so stiff. Um, and so I just played this golf while I'm doing that. And it just kind of, I don't know, I go through emotions, I guess. <laughs> so very cool. So let me ask though, but like, how did it feel? I'm, I don't want to, presume but like me being in that situation even at this little am event i played i walked out with like the lead after round one i'm all smiles i'm like i didn't expect this at all you know like what kind of feelings did you have when you realized like one i'm doing so well after round one round two and like and i'm walking out with a win like what was that actual inner feeling 
Um, so the first two rounds, I didn't think anything because the, I think after the first round, I had maybe three or four strokes bleeding. And then the second day for me was just survival because we knew it was going to rain all day. So just keeping, you know, maintaining the lead ideally was like the goal. And I wasn't really nervous then. I was just, like I said, they, trying to stay dry, really. Um, and then the last day was when it hit me and I texted Kona that morning and I'm like Kona I'm so nervous (laughs) and she was just like you know just play your game like you know how to do it just kind of keep your keep level headed and and I'm like yeah like I got this and the only thing that made me really nervous was this is kind of embarrassing but a couple years ago at Mar Park there was an A tier and Ellen Widboom and I were the only FPO players there so it was either I was winning or losing and Mm -hmm. I went into the last round I don't know if anybody's played Mar Park is a huge course so it's like anything could kind of happen. And so I had a five stroke lead going into the last day and she beat me by one stroke because I like royally messed up like the last few holes of the event. So that kind of like replayed in my head um, when I had this seven stroke lead going into the last day. So I think I kind of psyched myself out a little more than I should have thinking about, you know, what if I lose a seven stroke lead? Like, what are people going to say if I lose a seven stroke lead? You know, things I feel like to me, because I'm not at the at the level where I'm like winning all the time or like up there all the time, it was a different feeling for me. It was, it was more nerve wracking because I'm used to going to a pro tour and placing like higher than middle of the pack, but not like on lead card all the time. So, so to kind of have that feeling was really nerve wracking. Yeah. So tell us though, the feeling after you had that last putt, I, 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 I'm only presuming what it is. Oh, I was so relieved. Um, so I don't look at scores. I, uh, I don't know. I'm trying to train myself to change that, but I wasn't looking at the scores and I knew uh, Jessica and Taylor were really close. Like I was messing up because I was in my own head and they were just not letting off the gas and they were catching up. And I didn't think that I'd ever given them the lead, but I knew that it was close. I just didn't know how close. And so Bart ended up walking with me the last half of the round and I, I know that I can just like ask him without him telling me what the scores are like. And I can kind of tell by his demeanor. I'll look at him and I'll be like, am I doing okay? And he's like, yeah, you're fine. And, you know, he's just like trying to keep it chill. He doesn't want to psych me out. Um, and I'm like, okay, like I'm doing fine. And we just finished out and I had double bogeyed one of the last holes. And that stressed me out even more because I already knew we were close. Um, turns out when I tapped out, I was ahead by two strokes. So mm-hmm. it wasn't like a royal mess up. But when I tapped out that last putt, I didn't know, like, if I missed that, am I going into a playoff? You know, like those things run in your head because I wasn't sure of the score. Um, yeah. So I tapped that out and there was like a small crowd off to the side that were kind of waiting for us to come through. And they're like, "Woo, yeah, Christine. And I'm like, okay, like I must have done this thing. <laughs> so yeah, it was, uh, it was crazy. I still, I'm clammy thinking about it. <laughs> That's awesome. Was this the biggest win of your career? I believe so. Mm-hmm. Um, I won Madisonville a few years ago, but it was a smaller field. I was actually an AM and I played in pro and won, nice. but I didn't take cash. Gotcha. So, yeah, I think I played a couple more A tiers back then that I might have won. But I don't remember. It's been a long time since I won an A tier. <laughs> nice. What kind of like, what are your goals playing disc golf this year? Like, is this, you know, winning an A tier, was that a goal or are you looking to expand that? Um, honestly, winning's not ever a goal because I don't 
I don't like to set my expectations too high to where it's disappointing when I don't meet my expectations. So typically in a normal tournament, I'm going in thinking I want to shoot over my rating and cash. Like those are my main goals. No matter where that puts me at the end of the year, it is what it is. I play enough events to kind of get the tournament uh, mentality on lockdown. Mm-hmm. But overall in the year, I think is just to survive. Um, I have a lot going on, like personally, I have some job changes. Um, I have other like disc golf things in the works too. I'm running disc golf lessons locally and I'm trying to expand that to where it's like a group setting. Um, So I'm like working behind the scenes on that kind of stuff. And so just trying to fit tournaments in when I can, because I need to play tournaments and still be an athlete. Um, so yeah, just filling my schedule, going out there, you know, trying to stay level-headed and not stressed out with everything I'm doing. Can you exactly. tell us, I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, I was gonna say, can you tell us about, um, you said you, you have going, stuff going on personal and all that, but there's also public stuff that's been announced at the disc golf pro tour. Uh, can you tell us about your, your new role there? Yeah. So disc golf pro tour is a part-time job. So kind of a life overview in a way. Um, I work in an investment firm full time and I've been doing that for four years. And so I played disc golf on the side. Um, I decided that I didn't want to do that anymore. And during quarantine and the COVID stuff, like while I was at home all the time, I ended up getting my real estate license. It's just like on a whim. I've always wanted to do it. I had the time. Why not? So I got my real estate license, but being a realtor is hard because you have to build clientele to get your income going and flowing. So, um, on the way out of Edward Jones, I'm like trying to, the investment company I work for, I'm trying to exit that, but also like this golf coach was secured a part-time job for me to have some income to live off of. So that job is pretty much me currently helping them organize the whole pro tour. Um, There's a lot of people that do a lot of things. A lot of people are trained in like different aspects of like retail and marketing and administrative and things like that. And I was brought on as an administrator to help with like, I currently do like bookkeeping and kind of um, trying to structure um, organization just within everyone with a pro tour. We're trying to hire more people too. So just kind of trying to structure them as a whole um, and keep them organized is my job in a nutshell. (laughs) So have you nice. been, have you been like, what have your efforts been since you come on? Is it like a slow transition in for like next year or are you like, you already gone full tilt this year with it? Um, it is kind of a transition. It's still a question cause I'm on part-time. So technically I work like 20 hours a week, give or take. And so it could transition into me full-time as soon as I want it to. It's just right now I'm just kind of playing it. Uh, I, I definitely just dove straight in because I started working and they're like, here's what we got going on. Like, and here's what we want to do. So, you know, I'm definitely in it. It's just how much I want to do. is kind of up to me. Um, I could totally see it being a full-time thing, you know, at, later in the year or hopefully even next year, maybe even different positions. Who knows? Um, the possibility is endless with the Disc Golf Pro Tour right now. Is that something you would want to do, kind of pursue that full time? And with that, would that mean more travel to you? So maybe playing more events or stuff like that? Yes. Um, So I kind of wanted to use this year. And that's where the Pro Tour Tour part-time gig kind of came in hand in hand. Um, I wanted to see how my real estate goes. And Mm -hmm. if that pops off, I have to stay local because I'm only a Dayton, Ohio realtor. I can't like go around the country for that. 
Um, so kind of just weighing out what happens. I feel like it's going to lean more towards the pro tour. Not that I don't like being a realtor, but because I like disc golf so much and I want to be involved in it. And I already like the job that I'm doing so much that I've only been doing for three weeks with them. So I could totally see myself like going out there and yeah, that would involve more travel. And that's something that, you know, would definitely tie in with me being an athlete and actually playing on the tour as well. So that's exciting. Very cool. And you also work for the disc golf pro tour under the disc golf network with the party podcast. You're the co-host of that. And so that is mainly focused on FBO players. It's an awesome Mm -hmm. podcast. If you guys aren't subscribed to the disc golf network, that is where you can find it. But uh, you and Hannah Macbeth are putting out episodes here and there, and it's just been very, very good quality content. Um, So kind of you've been an Innovo sponsor disc golfer pretty much like you haven't had any other sponsorships, right? With a disc manufacturer? Not with a manufacturer, no. Okay, cool. Tell us about being with Innova. How did that come about? And where are you at with that now? (sighs) Okay, so Innova. When I first started playing as an amateur, I instantly loved Innova and Dynamic. Those were like the two, you know, when you're an amateur, you kind of like want a sponsor. So you lean your bag towards a manufacturer. I had mine split between Dynamic and Innova because that's what I was kind of going after. And after reaching out to both of them and actually having having people kind of put a good word in for me, um, Innova was one of the first ones that reached out to me and they just gave me an offer that you really couldn't turn down. And to me, you know, you can idolize any manufacturer, but to me, like Innova was the big one that I really wanted to be on. And for them to even like offer me a position, it was, you know, a dream come true because you think about it and it's like, it's Innova. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, so they offered me that and I took it. I went on as an ambassador. Um, and I mean, it's been, it's been crazy. It's been incredible. Like all the things that they offer me, the, the way that they help me. It's insane. I just, I've, you know, I've climbed the tiers in their, in their team and I'm super grateful for, you know, for them to give me the opportunity. And I've been making fundraiser discs throughout the year to kind of help support me. And, and they're awesome in making those custom discs for me. But then this year I finally got the tour series disc. Um, and that was a, that was a pretty special thing. Tell us about that. So that, what is that? Yeah, I was going to say, tell us about (laughs) that. And does that mean, are you, you're on team champion, correct? Yes. Okay. Yeah, this year I got promoted to team champion, which meant that I got my own tour series disc. Um, that was one that I always kind of joked with my friends about, like, oh, you know, I'll never get a tour series disc. But if I did, I would make it this. And at the time when I would joke with them, I threw it like a TL a lot, a star TL. Um, that's kind of like a more broken in T-bird, leopard, hybrid, hybrid in a way. Um, but I don't throw that anymore. And I leaned towards the Sidewinder for like the past two or three years. And I honestly, I had three Sidewinders before the tour series one. So now I have four after I added that one in there. Um, it's just super versatile. You know, you break it in, it glides, it flips. I can, I can literally do anything with it. It's super gliding in the open. You can hit lines with it in the woods. And I just absolutely love it. And honestly, all the star plastic ones that I've had, if you beat it in for like a couple months, they always have like a turn and they won't really come out of it. And so I was like, if I could make something that has something that turns, but still has that fade at the end with all that glide, that would be perfect. And so I had them go with the transitional kind of swirly plastic that I knew was going to make it a little stiffer. And then I went a little heavier than what I normally throw. Mm-hmm. And man, that disc is perfection. Like it, it came out so pretty and so perfect. Very cool. Anybody else love throwing star sidewinders? I'm seeing the chat say they love theirs. I 
when I was introduced to this sport about 14 years ago, I probably shouldn't have put that fast of a disc in my hand, but man, it was a good disc. <laughs> I honestly, I still have a sidewinder in my bag. So maybe I'll have to pick up a Christine Jennings sidewinder. Yeah. I've heard for the men, they go, because it's a little more stable, they go way straighter um, yeah. with the men's arm speeds. Yeah. Typically I don't recommend nine speeds for beginners, but if you're going like a lower weight sidewinder, it'll give you some good glide. Excellent. Yeah. No, absolutely. Are you planning on playing any other big events this year on the pro tour? Yeah. Um, so I live in Ohio. Um, Bart and I travel together. So anything that really comes around the region this year, Jonesboro was kind of out of the way for us, but we wanted to go to it last year and COVID happened. So we yeah. ended up putting it back on the schedule for this year, but normally we definitely hit Ledgestone, um, D glow in Michigan and then Idlewild is only an hour and a half from us. So we'll definitely be there um, in nice. Northern Kentucky. Um, and then otherwise we just try to fill our schedule with, you know, a bunch of A tiers that have good added cash to them around the area, even mm -hmm. B tiers, um, just to fill our schedule. I mean, we both still play 25, 30, 35 events a year. So wow. still packed yeah. schedule. Can, yeah, good for you. Can I ask, because I, I'm just thinking as we get ready to close this out, you mentioned real estate license. Have you, one, have you sold any houses? No, okay. not yet. Okay. Two is the, is the market crazy where you are? Where like <laughs> offers are going in like 50,000 over the asking price, like right out of the gate. Is that happening? Okay. So not 50. Okay. Uh, it, it also depends on your budget, I guess. Yeah. Um, like normally first time home buyers are like between a hundred to 200,000. I feel like, um, I do have a couple of people I'm working with. We have put in multiple offers and nothing has worked yet. Um, a lot of times you go in and, you know, any house that is a good house, which is mm -hmm. most of them, you know, mm -hmm. a lot of them aren't run down or anything like that. Um, yeah, I'm seeing a trend of, I think like 15 to 20% over asking price. So at the, at the range of like $200,000, we'd put in an offer for like 220, $225,000 and it's still not winning. So <laughs> what did it go for? <laughs> I don't yeah, know. Exactly. Uh, More than that. I'm in the process of, of probably insane. moving. And so I'm in that process right now. I have my first house. I've been here six or seven years and it's like, uh, they're, they're putting a house on the market. We literally see it. Eight people put in offers by like literally that day. Then they close down no open houses and then the offers accepted by the next day and it's over. And I put in 50,000 yeah. right out of the gate over asking no contingencies, not accepted 50,000 over. It's crazy. It's so, yeah, I think insane. it's everywhere in the U.S. Yeah. And yeah, you can't sleep on it anymore. It's literally, it comes on the market. We have to go look at it the same day, put in an offer the same night if you want it. And tomorrow <laughs> it's so fun. crazy. So yeah. you're, you're getting yeah. into a market though right now where it's like hard to get people houses, but it's going to be a good experience. By the time the market starts opening up more, you'll be like, this is a piece of cake. <laughs> right. Yeah. It'll just be like, it's way more yeah. calm later <laughs> on when it's not so crazy for sure. Nice and smooth from there. Well, mm -hmm. very cool. So you have tons of things going on. Like you said, you're helping out with lessons. You and Bart are doing that. I've seen posts about it. You've got some custom stamp discs coming out. They're these cool like food stamp discs. Yeah, I'm doing the food series. Yeah. Very cool. Um, yeah. are, do you, you have more of those coming out throughout the year? I think I'm going to do a couple more. Um, so far, I've had the taco, the pizza, a donut that just came out. And then um, I might do a couple more. I'm still, I draw them. They're just little doodles. Um, yep. But trying to like make a couple of them work, um, it has been my issue. But yeah, I think I plan to make a couple more. Very cool. Well, I guess just to kind of close out, give yourself a shameless plug. Where can people find these discs? Where can people find your tour series disc? Where can they find you on Instagram? All that jazz. 
Okay, so you can follow me on Instagram at Christine Jennings Disc Golf. That, um, there's actually a link tree in my bio that has all of my other sponsors, all my affiliations and discount codes. Um, Hazy Shade Disc Golf, they're a local sponsor of mine that actually um, are nice enough to have my discs on their website and they sell them and ship them even internationally if you'd like. So Very that's cool. always fun. Um, Innova Discs, uh, of course, they are my manufacturer sponsor and you can get my Tour Series discs there. And yeah, I have a few other sponsors. I have Rickaroons, um, en coconut energy bars. I have Perfect Putt 360. It can help you practice your putting. I have VII apparel, and I have goat towel, which actually that towel saved my life this weekend when it was raining. So you should go get you one of those too. Sorry, everything's in my bio. <laughs> so, Very cool. Sorry for laughing out loud in the middle of your sponsors, but somebody in the chat said, "Wait a minute, she doodles like tacos and pizzas. Is she the hot dog bandit?" And I'm like, "Oh man." Uh, so. <laughs> I am not. Oh, by the way, Hannah told me to wear this shirt, and you can't see it on camera, on. but this is like go. the colored rendition of my taco oh. disc. So like the taco disc, just the outline. Wow. But VII nice. apparel took it and colored it in. So you. That's very cool. You just made you me so hungry. In the bio too. <laughs> you just yeah, made I, me so hungry funny, for tacos. I have tacos for lunch. I might have my leftover tacos for dinner tonight. But, <laughs> oh, man. But yeah. <laughs> Very cool. Well, Christine, we very, very, very much appreciate you coming on the show. I've been fortunate to actually help out on the party podcast as a closet commentator here and there with yeah. these fun little round tables that we've done. It's It's been very cool. <laughs> Hopefully can do one in the future. But um, we'll see you around at some events. Everyone go follow Christine on Instagram. Help support her by buying her tour series discs, fundraising discs when they come out. And uh, once again, we very much appreciate you coming on the show tonight. Thank you guys for having me. Have a great rest of Thank the year. You. Maybe we'll talk to you again after your next win. Peace out. <laughs> <laughs> Thank Peace. you guys. All right, bye. Have a good bye. one. <clears throat> All right, so that was Christine. Very fun. Yeah. A fellow podcaster, which is pretty cool. I love talking to people who also do podcasts and kind of get their way of doing them. Now the uh, Party Podcast is, like I said, on the Disc Golf Network. It's actually a post-produced one, so they record everything live, and then it's very well done. It's edited and everything like that. You know, they can make a mistake and edit it out. Matt, if you and I make a mistake like <laughs> Terry Miller did on live broadcast one day, we cannot edit it or anything like that. So, but I'm also <sighs> super excited for our next few guests coming up. Yeah. And I, I say few because they're coming up at the same time. <laughs> I'm working on it. Um, nice. So, obviously, the, uh, what was communicated, what was communicated through um, Christine was a lot of energy, very happy. Mm -hmm. Uh, someone I would like to be around more often. Um, and she says, I can only imagine like during her disc golf round, she doesn't know the scores and she's that person to them. Like they're like happy to be yeah, around her. She's wild. like, I won. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just like, holy cow. But Matt, you got the green room all set up. I'm super excited to bring these two on. Simon yeah. is an incredible friend. I've had the pleasure of hanging out with Avery a couple times at Top Golf and just throughout the country here and there. But uh, Matt, throw him on into the room. Yeah, I'm actually I'm working I'm working on I'm working on it. Okay, uh, I think we're I think oh, we're good oh. here. Uh, I think I've got it. Three, two, one. Welcome to the show, Simon. Oh, Simon Lazat and Avery Jenkins. Let me let me put it up. I uh, yep. I preset the show and now I'm feeling like a horrible guest. How are you guys doing? Doing good. Good. How are you? That is the voice, Very everybody, good. of Avery Jenkins, world champion. Uh, we are excited to have two amazing players on the show tonight. Uh, it looks like almost 
Simon, it almost looks perfect like you have a split screen with the way those picture frames line up. It's like you're in two different places. It's pretty cool. You're welcome. I tried I tried getting Matt to set up his whole studio so that you two could be in studio tonight, but uh he had a busy day today, so we'll we'll cut him some slack. But you guys are both in the beloved state of Massachusetts. Avery, can you tell us why you're out there right now? So actually it's kind of business and, and personal in a sense. Um there's been a lot of disc golf activity up here and disc golf just nationwide, even worldwide, growing at the rate it has. A lot of disc golf course demand, um, demand for your disc golf courses. So I was up here last year doing a course in the Boston area. And then I was up here early this spring doing a course in uh, New Hampshire, right across the border from Massachusetts up to Nashua, New Hampshire. And then currently working on a course just in the Boston area again, about 20 minutes from Simon's house. So it works out that you do a course design project and visit my good friend Simon while I'm in town. So it works out well. It's very inc- cool. It's incredible. Um, yeah, exactly. Can you tell us a little bit about the disc golf park? Now this is through the disc golf park organization with disc mania, correct? Correct. Correct. Cool. We are the, the complete disc golf course design company. Um, we pride ourselves on high quality professional designs as well as, you know, good service, good equipment. And we're just trying to bring the, the entire package you know, trying to create a positive experience for the player. Over 500 courses, disc golf park courses throughout the world, mostly in Europe, and about looking at about 10 to 12 countries. Mm-hmm. And then in the U.S. right now, we have 30 disc golf park courses in the ground. So that's numbers continue to grow, and there are a lot of projects that are in the works right now that are going to probably complete in the next six to 12 months. For everyone watching and listening right now, can you say what are kind of the most notable disc golf parks that are out there in the world? Um, notable we've, uh, you look at any kind of big European tournament being the European open at Nokia, the beast being the, the big disc golf park. And then, uh, the number one course in the world being Yarva disc golf park in Stockholm, Sweden. Mm-hmm. Um, those are two big hitters being our disc golf park designs along with everything that we offer. And then even in the States, we have some pretty notable courses. Uh, I designed a course at Anheuser-Busch this, uh, past summer, last summer. Um, so it's on the Budweiser Brewery in Fort Collins, Colorado, five miles from our Dismania headquarters and warehouse. And nice. uh, that's a, we're just kind of waiting for that to get public and, you know, open to recreational play. It's been, it's been played for tournaments over the last four or five months, but I cannot wait till that's open to the public for players to go there, enjoy their, their tap room, their gift shop and their disc golf course on the property. Nice. So Simon, are you, helping out with the designing process for the ones in Massachusetts and New Hampshire, or are you just kind of tagging along for the ride, just enjoying yourself? I mean, definitely a bit of both. It's more for me like a a learning process right now because I kind of, you know, this whole course design thing is a potential future job kind of thing for the pro disc golfer. Mm -hmm. And I think the way the sport is growing and where it's heading, we're going to need bigger and better courses. And yeah, watching someone design some courses that's played over 1,200 courses around the world, and is obviously one of the best players ever, is uh, very helpful. So it's been it's been fun to tag along, and of course, this is my local scene as well. So I want to see what's going on and see what we can do, and yeah, start learning how to design new good disc golf parks. Okay, so you mentioned Avery's 1,200 course or 1,200 plus, right? And so I'm a local, and I saw your story. 
and you visited Hodges. Was that your first time to Hodges Dam, Avery? Yes, it was. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> oh, you too, Simon. Yeah. It's if you're at yeah. Buffalville, it's worth just going across the road and getting another course added to your list, of course. So exactly. can, yeah. Exactly. So so can you tell me what is unique to um disc golf park courses? I've been with Simon enough with his the it's the full size disc golf park basket, the nice I don't know what color blue you would call that. It's not in like electric blue or something. Um, besides maybe what is it? It matches his Audi. So oh. it's kind of oh, it is. that direction. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We need to do oh. Simon. We need to do like a video shoot with the basket in the car somehow. We'll talk later. Um so <laughs> but what's unique to disc golf park? Um, is it the turf tee? What is it? Like what does the disc golf park bring that is like we should everyone should go to you for that? So again, we offer we offer everything. It's the one thing we we offer the baskets. We have our disc golf pro targets. We have the T signs, the full color graphics. We really pride ourselves on just keeping things consistent throughout all our graphics on all our courses. They're all the same look. And then as far as design, we, we have a, a entire team of professional course designers throughout the U.S., throughout Canada, throughout Europe. Um, and so it's it's really kind of going through the the design process, getting the experience, gaining the expertise. And I think the one thing that Disc Golf Park brings to the, the table is we offer it all, everything across the board. And again, it's about creating that great, positive disc golf course experience with good equipment and a good design. Because you, you can have the best equipment in the world, and if it doesn't lay out and it doesn't transition and flow and add variety of shot shapes and, and difficult and challenge, that's what you're looking for. Something you remember after you're done playing the round. Like, yeah, I love that hole. I love that series of holes. Oh, that one over the water. That's what brings you back. And it's all about a good layout, a good, a good solid design is going to bring you back every time. Absolutely. So besides for the disc golf park area with disc mania, you're also a sponsored athlete by them. And if I'm correct, you're the team captain for disc mania. I'm the team manager, team correct. manager for disc mania. Yes, okay. Yes, cool. So you're obviously, you were a long time end of a player. You still are an end of a player. Like how does that sponsorship work between both companies? Like what is your role kind of in between those? Good question. Um, as of last year, I cut ties with Innova and Innova sponsorship. Oh, first reaction. I actually only, didn't know that. Yeah. I was the only player sponsored by Innova and Dismania, sponsored by Innova for 20 years, sponsored by Dismania like eight, nine years at that point. So I'm at 10 years now with Dismania. And really what the kind of split was being co-sponsored by Innova Dismania was they are our manufacturer for our originals line. So it wasn't that conflict. It was kind of like an Innova us and end of a europe with uc and everything they were bringing on that side of the pond so it was kind of trying to promote market and really get the dismania brand out there as well throughout the us and throughout the world or wherever i traveled and played and competed so i was the probably the first co-sponsor player and i think the last co-sponsor player at this point um when i cut ties with it and it was just the kind of the conflict of being a team dismania team manager and being sponsored by Innova, it just, I need to switch it up a little bit. I need to be kind of dedicated fully to Dismania, and it's it's worked out well. And the, on the business side of things, on the team side of things, even on the disc golf park side of things, yeah, it's it's the disc golf business. It's everything I kind of worked for through my entire career as a player to work this angle, and and finally, obviously, work for disc golf as a as a career path. 
Well, yeah, I was going to say, we've obviously seen, especially over the last few years, the rise of Discmania and not just the players, but the company itself getting their own warehouse in Colorado, partnering with other companies to create different lines of discs. Um, I guess notably, obviously, Eagle and Simon, the Crush Boys playing for the team, but someone who just won a tournament back the Mid-America Open, Kyle Klein, another up-and-comer. Casey White, another up-and-comer. Like Discmania has reached out and done a lot of incredible things lately. What is the role of being the tour manager? I oversee and manage the team. Um, with team my experience manager, of being a team player for you know 20 plus years with Innova and having good relationships with all my team captains and team managers throughout the years, it's really about helping guide them, um, helping them in any way on the road, on tour. I get calls and texts all the time, you know, helping me with my game, my putt, my drive. But also just being a, you know, a, a tie to the inside as far as headquarters, anything they need help with and assistance with, I'm there to guide them and, uh, you know, oversee things and to keep them, you know, provided for and taken care of as, as tour players and, and sponsor players. So awesome. he's your boss, right, Simon? <laughs> yeah. He does these tough calls after after every season where he calls every team player goes through the stats, goes through the tournament performances and their social media engagement, stuff like that. And sometimes you got to make that tough call. Like after my USDGC performance last year, I got that call and it was like I was going to get kicked off the team potentially. <laughs> yeah, it was a tough call. You'll be fine. No, course, no. Simon, you'll be fine. Yeah. 100, and, 100 almost 20,000 YouTube subscribers. Like, you, I, I can't say you don't need Discmania, but now Discmania needs you. No. <laughs> we, we kept we kept him on for other uh, for other reasons you know he's, that's uh, right he, he does a lot yeah. on the social media side and i think the subscribers <laughs> kept him on the team after that performance last year. so yeah. speaking of so performances, please people go go describe to yeah. simon's youtube channel so that he can stay on team keep, a <laughs> keep a sponsorship <laughs> um speaking of performances though um i'm pretty sure you're returning to the tour scene otb open what is that how many weeks out is that and are you on track Simon. Oh yeah, big time on track. I just booked my flight a couple of days ago. I'm flying out on the 11th, which is tomorrow in two weeks, I think. I don't know the exact map. I'm pretty sure that's it. And yeah, I'm meeting up with Eagle at the airport in Sacramento, getting our rental car, and then it's back to the road life, pretty much. Or uh, back to the tournament grind. I hope my therapist doesn't want me to play every single weekend. And I've been going through the schedule the last couple of nights here, and it looks like we pretty much have a huge event every single weekend starting very Ooh. soon. Yeah. So I have to kind of maybe pick and choose um, some of my favorite spots or tournaments I have missed in the last couple of years that I could play because we're not going to Europe um, for obvious reasons. Yep. But uh, the European Championship is, is still a maybe, which is in August in uh, Czech Republic. So I'm still holding off on that decision, but yeah, no, I've been throwing more and more, harder and harder, and it, it really feels, now I finally feel that it's actually getting to a point where I can confidently step up to a tee and throw without being worried about too much. And I, from what I know, it's actually going to help me to throw more shots as long as it's like intentional and careful and I don't go too wild or too crazy out there. Do you have, do you have any pressure coming back in this season or is this season feel almost pressure free because you realize where you're coming from? Uh, wh what, how do you feel? Honestly, I feel very pressure free. I mean, at least from my own side, I don't think anyone 
probably no one really expects me to come out there and do well. First of all, I'm still not throwing at 100%. And second of all, I haven't competed in eight months. So there's a lot of reasons why you wouldn't expect me to do well or at least put any pressure on me. I know from this Mania side, there's definitely no pressure. From my own side, there's absolutely no expectations or pressure. And yeah, I'm just glad really to see the other competitors out there. Hopefully we can get some galleries to meet meet some new and old fans and just uh, step it up on the YouTube. And who knows, maybe I make, I really want to make a featured card at some point. So that's that's like my main goal in the first couple of events. Nice. Well, I think one of the videos when you were here down in Virginia, which was such a fun time, I mean, you proved playing that new London course that even the new uh, the Bedford course, when you kind of like tone it down and play smart, that you, you absolutely shredded and uh, your putting looked incredible. So I'm super excited to see you go back out on the road. I'm super excited to see you out in the disc golf world again, besides for YouTube. But um, yeah, so you're excited for it. <laughs> Yeah, man, can't wait. It's been a while. Nice. And I you're guess... talking about Simon toning it down. He's toning it down to about 90%, and his 90% yeah. is, as Simon would say, better than most. So it, he's <laughs> oh, looking it out there. We threw, we, we, threw some, we threw some practice rounds this week. Yeah. Not a whole lot of long courses, but some longer throws on a few of the courses, on some of the holes. And he's he's still got it. It's it's yeah, hopping so... on, start pedaling, and ride that bike. Like, he, he knows <laughs> – you know, he knows how to go through the motions of it all. He's, yeah. he's looking good out there and looking forward to watching him compete this season. Was he still... I played nine competitive holes against Simon during yeah. that video, and I attempted to compete. I played really bad. But, like, watching Simon shoot a couple down bogey-free just right off the bat at a brand-new course, a really hard one, it was very inspiring to watch. It's just because he is not 100%, just like he said, and he's still out there. He, he beat Paul at Paul's own design course and held the course record for a little bit. Paul did have to go out and get some revenge, took it back, but that just means you'll have to come back down here to Virginia when you are hundred percent and take it back again, Simon. So it's a good excuse. Oh yeah. Okay. So well, the, I guess the chat, ahead, yeah, the Sorry. chat right now, we don't fully always cater to the chat, but I'm always watching the chat right now is asking, has Simon thrown the new disc mania molds? What's he throwing? Maybe he's throwing lit. They're asking about discs. Is there something that's coming out soon where maybe they'll hear about that, or is that a secret? Yeah, so I actually was on the phone with UC today, this morning, about this. And uh, Mr. Matt Graham and I actually went out to a nice place in Worcester, and we filmed probably the most high-budget production, <laughs> production of an in-the-bag ever. We had four cameras out there. We had lights wow. and a double, triple microphone, whatever it was, and a drone so uh yeah we we killed it on in the bag video so i'm pretty sure that's coming on uh when is it i think it's right before the otb open the day before the otb open i think that's when it's going to drop in like two weeks nice that's super cool anything matt graham does when it comes <laughs> to the production side of it is always just above and beyond but you said you found a nice place in worcester and I find that hard to believe because there's not a lot of nice places. I'll in send you a I'll picture. <laughs> I'll send you a picture. The best, yeah, the Matt. You know what picture to send? The one I took. The best thing about that whole video shoot was there was another um, project going on next to us where they're doing a photo shoot because that location was so nice. And that was I can't say too much about it, but it was a special experience. <laughs> Oh, Matt sent it to me. Here we go. What was the location before I even look at it? Where, where'd you guys go? I guess I'll, I'll tell you. 
Yeah, it was Bancroft Tower in Worcester. Have you ever been, ever been there? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I just sent you the okay. picture. That's now you can see the thumbnail. Um, yeah, well, guess- so it was a unique experience. It, there's so many, <laughs> wow. yeah. there were so many memorable things in relation to that. Uh, I'll remember that one for a Sweet. while. Uh, yeah, Nick, what'd you have? Well, com- kind of like completely 180 back to Avery really quick. Um, you're obviously your 2009 PDGA world champion, and that's an accolade that, you know, you have bragging rights for the rest of your life. And that's pretty awesome. Can you kind of tell us what it was like competing back in those years and what it was like to win a world championship and everything like that? so long ago can i remember <laughs> um it was it was incredible like I, I get glimpses of this every once in a while kind of thinking back reminiscing um you know even looking back at like some of the older tour days and what the tour is now to what it was then and it's it's evolving and changing um so drastically to what even tour life was in like mid 2000s late 2000s having you know 10 12 you know, yeah, I was even on the road when there was like six or eight of us, you know, so I've been a road warrior for about 20 years now, not on the road now, but traveling still a bunch. I, I fly a lot of places more than live in a motorhome and, and travel and compete. Yeah. But bringing it back to, you know, late 2000s, definitely my prime, you know, between seven, eight, nine and winter worlds in 2009. It was a special moment. It was just everything kind of building to that um, time. And it was something I waited for being in Kansas City was I love Kansas City. I love the location. I love the courses and everything was just clicking and meant to be and meant to happen the way it did. You know, Val winning her third world title that year, Miss Valerie Jenkins winning her third world title consecutive. And then for me to, you know, hold up my end of the bargain and, and take down mine to go you know, first siblings to ever take down a world title and probably the last siblings ever do it. It's, I was it's, just about to say that anyway, anyway, any way, shape or form, but yeah, incredible for the family, for me and Val, my mom and dad, it just to be a part of that. And then my, my girlfriend now wife was there to watch the entire thing go down. And just like a lot of things happened for the right reasons. And I'm very, very gracious and very happy, but I was, again, I was, I was waiting for that time. I, I built up my career as a player and that was the that was everything. You know, you you play to win and you play to win the big ones and the world championships was was everything. Yeah. One thing that I've been doing a lot lately is I'll look up like professional athletes. I'll kind of look up their daily routine and certain athletes always do things differently, whether it's they wake up at 4 a.m. or, you know, 8 a.m., something like that. But you said back in your prime was the late 2000s. Yeah. Won the world championship. What was your daily routine? Like you were a road warrior, obviously playing tournaments all the time. But like, did you have a set routine that you did? Living on the road, you never really get in a routine. Um, it's a sporadic kind of lifestyle, and you got to be adaptable, especially traveling with other players. Uh, I did a lot of traveling in the early 2000s with me and Dave Felberg and Todd Branch. That was kind of my early rookie years, first couple years, and then it kind of transformed into me and Dave Felberg traveling on tour, living on the road. And there's never really a routine. I can't say, like, if I was living at home, flying to events, that would be one thing. But living on the road and competing every single weekend, a lot of driving, a lot of practice rounds, a lot of stopping and playing just random courses. Mm-hmm. I don't think it was really about a routine anyway. It was just really be just be honed in, be tuned in, be ready to play. And we played a lot of courses, a lot of tournaments, a good variety of holes that you just became really good at a lot of types, different types of golf, playing in the wind, playing in the rain. And I always think about all the times when I didn't want to play disc golf, going out in the wind, in the rain, in the cold, those days when you just go want to go back to the motorhome or go back to the hotel yeah. and just 
call it a day. Those were the days that made me a better player for the fact that I didn't want to be there yet. You strive to be better and you try to be the best. And uh, that's what brought me out there was I was trying to be the best and I was going to not sit back and, and go inside. I was going to play in the, in the wind, the cold and the rain. I mean, a better player overall, no doubt about it. Simon, um, this one's for you in relation to, we have both of you on the show. I'm trying to figure out how to tie it together a little bit besides disc mania. You grew up disc golf. Was Avery Jenkins in the scene? Obviously he was, but I mean, to a point where you knew him as a professional before you were a professional. What's the timeline there? Here we go. Way back in the days. <laughs> I mean, technically I turned professional by how we term, what, what how do you say it? How we call it in, in disc golf in 2008. The first time I met Avery was 2009 in uh, at the European Open 2009, where I beat him, actually. I beat him and Nate Doss, yeah. which was nice. my kind of my big breakthrough. I, I think my real breakthrough came a couple of years later when I won European Championships. But that was like my first time playing against the U.S. guys, Kleinmo, Felberg, Doss, and Jenkins were there. And of course, I mean, YouTube wasn't really a thing back there, or at least disc golf wasn't really represented on YouTube a lot. So all I had was the disc golfer magazines. And, you know, it was full of Avery Jenkins, his sister, <laughs> and all the pros at the time. So that's that's all I had. That's all I knew. And those were the idols, of course. Yeah. So, I mean, is it... It's probably been a long enough time now that you developed a relationship here with Avery. But I mean, is it cool for you to be thinking to yourself, like, I have a house, my own house I'm living in, and like Avery's here chilling with me, having some beers, we're designing courses. Like, do you do you sit back and reflect on that at all? Like when you go to sleep at night? <laughs> and you can tell Avery how you really feel. He's he's not gonna be embarrassed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it's definitely unbelievable. I mean, yeah. I think I asked Avery uh when he flew in, like, did you ever think you were gonna visit me in the States at my house? Like he did say that only six or seven years back, that was something like unthinkable, but we spent so much time together. I mean, we traveled together for multiple months in a motorhome. Even before that, like 2013, I think we did a European yeah. deep in the game tour where we were in a van going through multiple different countries. Yeah. So uh, we've been to Japan together, Australia. Were you in New Zealand or no? Not when you were. No. A lot of European, a lot of US travels. And like he says, 2013, flying and traveling all over Europe teaching, competing, playing. And then in the U.S. in 2014, I was the first one to take Simon on tour for the U.S. and taught him all about that tour life. You know, it's about the tournaments. It's about competing. It's about preparing for every every weekend's event. But it's also about enjoying the travel, enjoying where you're traveling to, taking those Monday fun days, you know, and, and enjoying where you're going if you're at the Grand Canyon or if you're in hanging out in Boston or, or downtown New York City going to Central Park. Like, you go to certain little hot spots and little tourist destinations in a sense just to really enjoy, you know, it, you don't take it for granted to be a tour player. It's awesome to compete and travel and, 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 and play as a competitor, but to enjoy the travel and the tour life. That's something me and Val and Nate, we took it to the highest levels of really enjoying the travel aspects of things. And I still hope that uh, touring players enjoy those things these days. Oh, absolutely. And so we talked about Simon getting back out on the road and going to a tournament or two here and there. Are you, are we going to see your name at any of the big events, maybe worlds, anything like that? 
At Worlds, most definitely. I haven't missed nice. a World in 22 years, so I, it, Very you know, cool. I'll definitely keep that streak alive. Uh, I was signed up for European Open until they canceled. Um, yep. I was signed up to OTB and Jonesboro at one point. Just It's so busy with yeah. work and then family. I do have two young boys, one and six. So mm-hmm. being gone too long, especially with work-related things, that's kind of the priority now with course designs and, yeah. and other business. But it's hard for me to get away to play the tournaments. I can, I can justify the work trips a little easier, but I, I'll play worlds. I'm trying to think if Sula happens in Norway, I'll, I'll be there. And I don't know, maybe some late, late season tournaments. I play about four to five tournaments a year and I try nice. to pick the choice events. If it's a disc golf pro tour here and there, definitely worlds and maybe another major. So I try to get to the bigger ones, the ones that, that really mattered to me. I was, yeah. and you, yeah, I was lucky Good enough man. to ride the, uh, this is so funny. Last week I said the same thing to Missy Gannon. I, I rode the Nantucket ferry over to play the Nantucket open. And I got an opportunity just to talk to you for a little bit on there. That was one of the events. And I was like, that's a cool event to get to play on the Island for sure. Um, can I ask this? You don't have to say who or what, but like, has anybody ever approached you as of late, let's say in the last two years to be a live commentary person? They haven't. I've I've done obviously like videos here and there. We've talked about doing tournament coverage at a you know for other events. Nothing like YouTube live or anything. But it, it's been a minute. I think the last thing I did commentary wise was 2018 USDGC with me and Jamie Thomas doing that uh, live at Hole 17, and yeah. that was the last that was the last commentary gig I had. And then it's been more focused on the on the disc golf park side of things and and Team Dismania, but. It'd be fun to jump back in the in the ring again if I can find some time to get away and and work some angles on that. Yeah, I just yeah, figured... I think it'd be cool seeing you, your brother-in-law, and your sister yeah. all <laughs> commentating together. It'd actually be wow. really cool. I didn't even think of it like that, but yeah. I just feel like do you? I mean, everybody else hears it. I'm sure the way Avery communicates, and this is me saying it in front of him, is very uh, engaging. And I think having you on on the ground doing on the ground stuff at a course tournament would just be like, I'd be looking forward to it. So I, I don't know what that means, except you do a good job with how you communicate. <laughs> appreciate that. Appreciate it. And that's one, actually one thing that's been brought up in like, just kind of round table discussions, you know, working toward the USDGC and having, you know, kind of live commentary in a booth, but also having a field reporter in yes. a sense, obviously mm-hmm. Hannah Macbeth's done a great job. Christine Jennings has been a great job, you know, being a reporter on the field to kind of communicate what's going on on the course, the conditions, what the players are going through. And I, I really enjoy that aspect more than anything than calling shots and doing commentary from both to be live actions. Like you, you hit it perfectly. That's, that's on point. Cool. Very cool. If you had something like one piece of advice to give an up and coming disc golfer who's ready to get out into the tour life and everything like that, if you had a piece of advice to give him or her, what would it be? Buckle up. It's it's not easy. Um, tour life is for the select few that can that can cut it and make it happen. It's it's not e- easy by any means. I've taken a lot of players out on tour over you know 15, 20 years, and it's never gonna be an easy ride. You got to be good, and then you got to be better than that to even compete and cash and and make enough money just to get on your way. Obviously, tournament. Prize pools are way higher. Player sponsorship is a lot more than it ever has been before. So players are getting taken care of a lot better now than ever. But it's it's a wild ride. Like you, a lot of players that try to go out there on tour and try to make it, 
it's not easy. So you got to have mental preparation just to be ready not to succeed right off the bat, but you need to put your hours in. It's, it's exactly those 10,000 hours to be an expert in anything. You need to put in the time and on that grind to be ready for it. And you can't just, I don't know, playing, playing the small local regional events, that'll, it's good preparation, but you really need to make the jump. And if you plan on taking it to the big time, you need to play the big disc golf pro tour events, elite mm -hmm. series, silver series, major events, just to get a taste of where you stack up. Cause there's some, there's some sharks out there these days and a lot more of them. So it's, it's cool oh, yeah. to see just the, the progressive competition level rising each and every season. Very cool. Appreciate that. So, yeah. okay. Here's another one that ties you both together. I'm working really hard here over time in my head. Like, okay, we've got two guests. We got to make, here's the, here's here how it plays out. Disc mania manager, team manager, disc mania, high level doing really well in his game brings up a player and I can't quite give you credit for bringing up Casey white, but you invested a lot of time hanging out with Casey white. You bring him on, he goes on tour and now he is as far as power rankings go on some charts. He's in top 10. He's ninth right now. What does it mean for both of you as a manager? Were you like, yes, that was the right move. And as Simon, are you just like a proud, like uh, mentor? <laughs> like, how do you both feel about that? It's, it's so super fun and amazing to watch. You know, you never really know what to expect. I've had moments where I really thought this kid is going to be the next best thing. And then it never really over the years turned out to be anything good with Casey. I mean, everyone here knows Casey's really good, but I wasn't a hundred percent sure if he's ready for the big stage, if he's ready to go up against 1050 guys, you know, and he's been doing that week after week now. Mm -hmm. And he's, he's not been beating them, but he's been holding on like close enough where I think everyone in the disc golf world who follows the pro tour has noticed him and not just once or twice, but like I think four or five weeks in a row, yeah. Yeah. he's been right there. And it's been really awesome to see him on live coverage and on Jomez. He's, he's had so many firsts in, in his career in the last couple of months. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, Casey uh, has been extremely helpful here for me locally. Kind of miss him out here, of course, but uh, he calls me at least once a week and talks about some updates. I mean, he's with his girlfriend, two kids on the road in a van, living the life. It's, it's pretty amazing. And for him to be so successful right now is uh, definitely very fun to watch. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm stoked for him. I'm, I'm thoroughly impressed with his game. And I think it's a really a maturity level, um, him being very green and, and new to the scene and the tour scene, especially when Simon took him out on tour. And them traveling around and playing various events in, in Simon's white Audi. Like, you know, it, it was cool to have him out to the ranch and hang out in Oklahoma at my home courses. And that's when we officially brought him a contract and signed him on the team. And it was just a matter of time. And it was like him even saying, finally, you know, yeah. you know, <laughs> you know reaching out to me and put me on a team. But what better yet to have Simon, you know, and Casey uh, both on the team and out to the ranch. And, and we made that happen. But thoroughly impressed. Again, the maturity level he's getting it now. I think he's kind of falling in the groove where mm -hmm. he understands that routine. Like you're talking about Nick each and every day, talking about what you need to do to better yourself as a player. And I think he's doing all the right things now. And he's kind of just kind of getting in his little groove right now. And I expect some huge things out of him the rest of the summer and, and throughout the season. 
How about yeah, the tilt? talking about the first? I think back in 2019, Casey had said, "Look, everybody, I made Jomez," and Jomez had actually used a picture of him throwing yeah. as one of their uh, thumbnails for a YouTube video. And then it's cool to see two years later he's actually playing on the Jomez's card at you know lead card at a national tour event. So for people from Massachusetts, New England in general, we are all so beyond stoked for Casey. Um, seeing you, Simon, take him under your reins, kind of like doing all the vlogging stuff with him. It's been a pleasure to watch. And then obviously with Avery coming in, Avery coming in and giving him the contract, it's just been cool to see his progression in the world of disc golf. And like Matt said, in some reports, the Ulti World one, number nine in the world at the moment, play-wise, that's a pretty <laughs> incredible feat. It's something that no New England player has ever done. Simon's going to, okay, yeah, Simon is now New England player, but Simon's going to go out there and just, yeah. it's unfortunate if he's going to knock Casey right out of that top nine, the top 10, he'll have to be 10th, but I hope, I hope I can keep up with Casey. Maybe that's going to be my first goal is to uh, get on a card with Casey and try, try to beat him. But no, it's really amazing. And I'm just going to give Casey a real quick shout out because he might be watching or see this later. But like the thing what sits, this is really important for like disc golfers up and comers, like Casey is not the best at distance throwing. He's not the best at putting. He has a decent sidearm. He can get out of trouble when he needs to. He has a lot of practice on these wooded courses in New England. But what sets him apart and why he can keep up with the best is his mindset. And he is so okay with laying up. And that's so rare for young players. And especially if you're new on tour, I think he's really good under pressure. He has a great golf mindset. And he's okay with getting pars. <laughs> and that's one thing I've always struggled with. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you look at Casey's scorecard, I think it went in Jonesboro. The last hole was his only bogey of the whole tournament. Ricky mm -hmm. Waisaki was the only other player to pull that off. Mm -hmm. So he is, yeah, a good scrambler. And he plays it safe when he needs to. And he knows when he needs to. So I think that's the main reason why he's capable of doing this. What do you think about that uh, tilt throw in? Come on. Like that is that marketing genius? Yeah. Did like yeah. somebody tell him you do that? Use better. He just did it on command. Like that was the yeah. tilt. That was like he was just pumping it up. How did that make you guys feel? <laughs> Incredible. That was, that was awesome to see. And obviously just kind of taking that route in the first place, but taking the one disc that can you can throw that route with. And uh, I don't know if you touched a chain or not. It was just a swoosh <laughs> in the bottom of the basket. And then for yeah. it to make Sports Center. Like anytime you get Sports Center as a disc golfer with a shot like that phenomenal and then yeah. you know obviously a little shout out to his uh, mentor here throwing his signature disc yeah of course amazing that's exactly what i had in mind when i thought about this whole design process dream disc um i hate taking credit for anything like that <laughs> i mean that was all him and i'm almost a bit embarrassed when he gives me all these shout outs um <laughs> live on camera or in post and stuff about this but no this was all casey and uh it was definitely a highlight reel that's so awesome. Cool. <laughs> Very cool. Well, we've taken up enough of you guys' time. It's been 40 minutes, which is actually longer than we normally have our guests on, but we super, super appreciate it, Simon. Thank you so much for being flexible with your schedule. Avery, thank you for taking the time out of your weekend, hanging out with Simon to come on the show. You're a first-time guest, and we'd love to have you on again sometime soon. Um, looking forward to seeing you back on the road for the World Championships. I know I'll be there. Looking forward to say hi in person. And uh, Simon, as always, we really appreciate it. I think at this point, everyone who watches and listens to the show know where to find you, Simon. 
but <laughs> really quick, just give a shout out to your Instagram. Avery, do the same thing. Where can the people find you? Go ahead. Avery Jenkins on Instagram. Just pretty straightforward and easy. Um, I, I like I just like to document disc life, you know, as, as, a, as a veteran, you know, I, I still travel quite a bit for work, but I still collect a lot of courses. And just, again, I, I enjoy where I travel for disc golf because disc golf's taking me a lot of really, really sweet places in this world. So thanks for having me, by the way. Thank you very much. Yeah. Yeah, guys. Thank you. Simon Lazat, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. Maybe there's going to be a new video soon. Who knows? <laughs> there's always plans and never plans kind of thing. But <laughs> yeah, no, good to be back. Um, I don't know what show this is, what number, but it could be around 40. Simon. It's 41. So we are a week too late to bring you on for your every 10 episodes. But number 50, we'll have to have you on and kind of make up for it. That'll go. be the, about the world's ish, maybe. Yeah. yeah it'll probably. be a good it'll be a good follow-up after you've competed yeah. a little bit more. I think that'll be cool. We'll talk. Exactly. All right. Awesome. You guys have a good night. Enjoy whatever you're going to enjoy and uh, have a good, safe time traveling, Avery. Awesome. Appreciate that. Thanks, Thank guys. Gentlemen. All right. Yeah, you Peace you out. Ada. Peace. All right, everybody. Obviously, that was uh, the voice of Avery and Simon Lazat. We're excited to have them on um, talking about all things. Uh, it was interesting, Nick, having two people um, at the same time that were worth like asking questions. I was, I said out loud, I'm like, I'm trying really hard yeah. to tie this together because I wanted them to share a moment where they could talk together. And I think they did that a little bit. And that was pretty cool. Like Simon saying that Avery was like at the top of the game when he was just coming into it. I mean, that's pretty cool stuff. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, uh, it was really fun to actually have Avery on because he's always presented himself. He was one of the first players to come out with like their own logo, make a brand for themselves and just be super active in the disc golf live commentary. And even afterwards, after being a player more so, he's taken a huge step in just helping disc golf grow continuously. So that was super fun. He has an incredible voice. Like I think he's definitely one of the best voices we've had on the show. And just kind of his knowledge towards everything is awesome. Yeah, I and can... he's a world championship, a world <laughs> champion. So that no, in and of no itself is deal. just kind of like having disc golf royalty on the show. Which pretty insane. This was not a transition intended, as in like it's not in the show notes, but I think something crossed my mind this past weekend or, or week that we're going to have potentially a new world champion this year. And mm -hmm. I think we've just gotten so used to like Ricky, Paul, Ricky, Paul, Ricky, like how yeah. many other winners have we had at Worlds? It, it just Greg Barsby, 2018. Yes, that and that was exciting, yeah. right? And that was exciting. Yeah. It was yeah. like, oh, like you're so happy. There's a new world champion. And I'm starting to find myself getting amped a little bit for worlds coming. And yeah. like, the fact is, like, do I want Paul to win? Yes. Would I like to see Ricky yeah. win? Yes. But like, how cool would it be to have like a new, like, just imagine, just imagine yeah. with me, Simon Lazat, yeah. world champion. Like, how would that go flow out of your mouth? I mean, exactly. So, kind of like on the lines of that I was there in 2017 in Georgia for when Ricky won his second world championship I didn't play I was just spectating and then 2018 it was in Vermont and so I actually did play the world champions chip and that was when I was more of like a casual player like slowly trying to find my life in disc golf and seeing how it was and I remember not playing great I didn't make the cut for the fifth and final round but it was really cool seeing Greg Barsby win the world championship in the sense of 
it was cool to see a new world champion get crowned that wasn't Paul, wasn't Ricky. Obviously, I'm always rooting for Paul, 100%. You know, I'm rooting for Paul this year at Worlds, and I'll be rooting for Paul every year that he plays Worlds. But um, it, it is cool to see that world champion get crowned. And I wish I could have been there two years ago to see Paul get his fifth world championship in Illinois. But uh, I'm hopefully going to be there to see Paul win his sixth world championship. The only other thing I'd rather than that is me becoming a one-time world champion, but I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to set that standard and say that I will be it because I definitely Well, you didn't will say you didn't say in what <laughs> world champion in what? I mean Yeah. Yeah, you know, I think I signed up for the putting, so I could potentially be a putting world champion. Not how I putted last weekend, but anyways, I'm super excited. Utah, I've never been there. Um all I know is that the airport is actually really expensive to fly into. I didn't know that, so that kind of sucks and I looked up driving there and it was like over a day's ride. So I was like, yeah, no, I'm flying. <laughs> I don't care how much I got to so, spend at this point. What name, and I'm putting this out there to our chat and our post listeners and people in their cars driving around, think this out loud, like to you and to you, Nick, like what name would be the most epic world champion like that could be that could win the title this year? Like, obviously, there could be no names. That would be like crazy. But like what name, let's say in the top 20. Yeah, let's say in the top 20. I mean... Calvin is obviously like I don't want to say a shoe in. No, that that was going to be my pick. Was actually seeing Calvin win a world championship would be insane. Not I don't not saying that he can't do it. I 100% know he can. He's a phenomenal player, but you know he's got DGPT wins. He was close to winning a major. He's got national tour wins. You know a phenomenal battle against Adam Hammes two years ago at Hall of Fame. He's an insanely good player, and if everything in his game is working that weekend. He has a very big potential of winning a world championship. Um, he is someone outside of Paul that I would be very, very happy for, for winning a world championship. So I think he would kind of be my my pick that definitely could win it. Um, How about... Has a definitely a good shot, but... Yeah. I mean, I'm just kind of throwing other things out there. Like, how would that change, one, his, like, disc golf career? But two... <clears throat> Let's think about another name and would it, it would not be surprising. And I think it would be well-deserved and it would just be like, again, I'm getting excited thinking about a new world champion, if you will. Again, not to take away obviously from Paul or Ricky doing it again, that would be just as epic. But is that, what about, what about Eagle? Like that one, like seems like it should be on the list if it hasn't already been, you know? Mm -hmm. No, I think Eagle for some odd reason, excuse me, uh, Eagle has not played to his full potential, I think, at any world championship. And I say that without knowing 100% the stats of it, but I remember he didn't play great in Vermont. He doesn't have a good track record of playing out there. And then last year in Illinois, I know he popped off the third or final round and played pretty well, um, but obviously didn't play to his expectations. He wasn't on any lead card coverage. Or I, I don't even think he was on chase card coverage when uh, Worlds was in Illinois. I'm sorry, I meant to say two years ago. But yeah, seeing Eagle win a world championship would be insane, especially for the year that, you know, the year that some Discmania players are having right now. Like obviously Kyle winning the Silver Series, Casey being an up and comer, Simon coming down on the road up for a little bit, Eagle winning, you know, the first big event of the year, but then seems to be struggling with an injury problem and then seems to be struggling with some mental stuff going on. So, Hopefully, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Eagle takes off a couple tournaments in the 
potential of him going to Utah early to just really get dialed in on those two courses. Um, I think over the next few years, we're going to start seeing that a lot is that players probably won't be playing tournaments unless they're massive ones before worlds, you know, for maybe two or three weeks. I remember in 2019, I'm pretty sure Paul went to Illinois two and a half weeks early. And I think he, without a doubt would say like, I'm pretty sure he practiced the courses more than anyone else did. And it showed he played an incredible world championship and was able to solidify being the five-time world champion. So I think we're going to start seeing the seriousness and players and kind of like how they're able to afford it now being in areas for two, two and a half, three weeks at a time in preparation of the most massive lucrative tournament of the year, especially money wise. Cause a lot of these players, there's probably a big majors bonus when you win the world championship besides for just the money that you're going to get, which is usually 10 grand or more. I mean, bonuses on top of that, it's, you know, that's make or break someone's year, 100%. Yeah, so I want to round out the conversation. So I'm going to finish up the MPO world's talk on who could be, but then I want to talk a little FPO because I think that's a pretty interesting storyline as well. But Good luck talking about that. Yeah, if I'm going to choose, this is two different conversations here. One, like, who would be really cool to see win worlds? And I'm just going to read off a few names that I saw come in from the live chat, like Yuli... James Conrad, yep. Casey White, yep. Kyle Klein, obviously yep. with his recent win. Uh, there's a lot of good players there. Uh, Garrett Gerthy. Um, but I, if I had to pick the top four favorite, it's obviously um, Ricky. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to go Calvin. And then mm-hmm. I'm going to go Eagle. And then I'm going to go Paul. That's probably my placement. Now, top 10... Obviously, you see Dickerson in there. Um, You see, who do you see? I mean, do we see Casey White? As crazy as that sounds, do we see him in a top 10 finish? I don't see any reason why at this point to say anything other than that. I could see it. I don't don't think it's crazy to say top 10 because obviously, you know, last year you might have said it's crazy that he's going to get top 10 on a national tour this year. I mean, some people, I mean, Greater Hartford last year, a big A tier that happens in Connecticut. He ended up winning that with some notable names at the event. So it was kind of like, you know, crazy to think that someone from Massachusetts was going to win the Greater Hartford one year. So I think it's definitely not crazy to say that. He's obviously playing incredibly well lately. I don't know 100% how, you know, changes at the golf course have been made, changes at the wooded course. I don't I don't really know how either of those play right now. But yeah, it's definitely not crazy. And I kind of want to retract what I said earlier, you know, certain players winning worlds. Like I I would actually love to see Dickerson uh, play great at worlds. And actually, you know, if he did win a world championship, I'd be super happy for him. I think he's an incredible dude. Him and his wife are very, very nice people. And uh, I've had the pleasure of he's been on the show before. I've seen him in Virginia, seen him at different tournaments. He's an all around just a great guy. I, you know, I was very happy to see him win the USCGC. There's no reason that he can't go out there and win world the world championship. Yeah, so I agree, Chris Dickerson. Um, I'm surprised that I didn't immediately put Kevin Jones. I'm not surprised as of now, but I'm surprised Kevin mm-hmm. Jones, like I would have picked him coming into the year. And just so how storylines change. Yeah. Um, and I'm not sure who else. I mean, James Conrad with the game shift with his discs and all that, that's like a whole thing as well. Um, Nico is performed pretty good this year overall. I mean, I could see a top 10 there pretty easy, but let's move over to um, the FPO. At this point, right now, I'm going to say, and this is not a hot take. This is me talking out loud, everybody. Don't hold me to it. Yeah. 
I'm going to say Katrina Allen. And it's not because of recency, as in she just had a dominant win, but because how she's been demonstrating her performance over the whole year. We saw her at LVC battling. Yeah. Uh, we saw her uh, at Belton, right? Um, we saw her yeah. all these events where she's, even if she wasn't winning, like she's performing a very good average. So that'd be my pick for FPO. But back to the conversation who we'd like to see. I think Heather Young would be really cool. Um, Haley King, that that would be a yeah. world champion. So what do you think? What's, oh, yeah. what's your thought? I mean, Katrina's got all the momentum in the world right now in the FPO division. Uh, but we've said it every single week. There's so much parody going on in the FPO division. Like, you know, Sarah Holcomb is having a sneaky good year. <laughs> Paige Pierce started the year off well. Seems to be taking a little mental break right now out in Hawaii. Maybe that's going to help her out going into future events. Heather Young winning this event, Haley King winning a national tour. I mean, there's so many different names. Jessica Weiss is playing incredible this year. If she has everything dialed in, she could be a world champion. Um, it's it's honestly, it's hard to say right now. And I can't put a name on, I mean, who I think will win it is I think Katrina Allen. I'll agree with you 100% on that. I think Katrina has the best shot of winning at the moment, especially if her putter is working. Um, who would I like to see it? I, I'd love to see Haley King win a world championship. Uh, she's an awesome person. We are very good friends. And I just, I think she obviously has won a national tour now. She won the pro tour finale. You know, she's been in those situations and I think she could rise above it. I think she's got some stuff to work out. She doesn't say, or she says that her game is not where she wants it to be at the moment. She's not playing disc golf. Well, she has certain parts clicking, but yeah, she'd would, be someone I'd, I'd love. I'm always rooting for Haley. I'd, I'd love to see her win a world championship. Would we have ever chose this? I don't want to say storyline, but this scenario going into a year where it wasn't like Paige Pierce, Paige Pierce, like, and I'm not bringing her up mm -hmm. to talk about her, but more the, the story for worlds and the fact that like names like Kona and again, even as of late, like Sarah Holcomb. Oh, that's another one. Yeah, Kona. Yeah. Sarah yeah, Holcomb I totally again. Like, Kona, no disrespect to her, but yeah, same thing with Kona. I would, I would love to see Kona win a world championship. She, she puts in a lot of work and effort into disc golf more so than a large majority of, especially the FPO players. Um, she's someone as well. Yeah, and I guess I'm just saying, like, it feels. I don't want to use the word crazy, but maybe I'm trying to think of the right word here. Really great to be able to have a conversation where. It's so many options, so many opportunities for FPO that like you got to believe there's still a favor. Like I said, maybe cat and realistically, we're not counting out Paige. I think she could come out swinging hard yeah. at Worlds. Oh, yeah. By then, she's realized how much she likes winning and especially Worlds and how much that means. Because Nick, winning a World Championship defines a player's career more than any other win. And you say, well, that's obvious, but like, you become a world champion and you don't ever win again. Like you're a world champion. Like mm -hmm. that's who you yeah. are. That's how you're introduced. That's how you get disc deals. I mean, it's just, it, obviously there's a conversation to be had about like a Greg Barsby. That guy was a staple mm -hmm. in the disc golf world. He won worlds and he's kind of for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. And he's kind of fallen off in that sense, but like, mm -hmm. so you kind of wish he did that more in his prime, but you were so excited to see him do it. So Anyways, yeah. Worlds is coming up. It's in July. Really excited to see it out June. in Utah. Oh, June. Sorry. I, it's usually yeah. in July. I, I hope feel it's like. not July because I'm pretty sure my plane <laughs> ticket says June. All right. Well, I was wrong on that one. June. Yeah. But um, so 
Nick, what are your show notes? Where do we go from here? Well, kind of just recapping, we had Christine on. Uh, she won the Bowling Green Open, which was in Kentucky. And I kind of just want to, it was a large A tier. I mean, decent cash was added into it. Just kind of really quick recap on that. Another name we've talked about a couple times this year is Matt Orham. Won the MPO side of it, shooting 33 under par. Beat Garrett Gerthy by one stroke. And he averaged 1047 rated golf over the course of three rounds. Took home 1300 bucks, just a little bit over it. I didn't do the math this time how many shots or anything like that. I was kind of running out of my course uh, post notes and everything like that. But um, 1300 bucks, definitely not bad take home. And then some other notable names at the event were obviously Garrett Gerthy. Uh, Corey Ellis is from West Virginia. He plays a lot of East Coast tournaments. He's just, I'm pretty sure he's a Discraft sponsored player uh, who just focuses on disc golf and he plays a lot of local events, eight tiers and everything like that. But then also Logan Bowers and Bart Kowaleski. I'm, Probably pronounce that wrong, but uh, he was also at that event, Discmania player. And then jumping over to the FPO side of it, obviously Christine Jennings won the event, shooting five under par, averaging 965, which was well above her rating, 46 points above her rating, actually. Took home just about 500 bucks for winning the event. And then notable names that she beat, Jessica Weiss and Lisa Fakis. Uh, beat Jessica by two, beat Lisa by seven. So just a very, very dominant weekend. She had a great round two, 995 rated. I'm pretty sure the first round was like 975. And so, like she said in the interview, she got nervous that last round. It wasn't rated as high as the other ones, but didn't matter. She took home the win. Totally. And so, with a win, you take home cash in the MPO division. And so, speaking of cash, um, first of all, tournaments are filling like crazy nowadays. We've talked about yeah. this before. I think every podcast at this point has talked about yes. it. It's insane, actually. But here's what it does. A tournament filling fast. If you've, ne you've never TD'd, I can tell you as a tournament director, if I had a tournament fill in literally one minute flat full, you know what that does for me as a TD? It allows me to get way more creative about everything up front because you don't have to worry about am i gonna have that extra cash to do xyz am i gonna have the opportunity you can start promoting right out of the gate like here's what we're doing and then you're gonna be able to get more sponsors in because you're gonna go look i already have a fil field filled with x amount of players would you like to throw in sponsorships raising money becomes easier and then you're able to give out more money for winnings nick you play in the pro division. What have you recognized as a trend this year um, in the payouts? Like, have you noticed any differences as of years past? Yeah, I mean, I've definitely noticed playing the professional division. And obviously this year I'm focusing a lot on disc golf. I have a lot of tournaments that I'm signed up for. I've already played a pretty decent amount. And one of the biggest things that I've noticed and what actually kind of made me realize this was yesterday at the tournament that I was playing, I looked at the projected payout thing. They had a little paper all set up for it. And like first place was 710 bucks. Second place was just about 500 bucks. And I was like, dang, you know, 700 bucks for playing two rounds of disc golf. It's a B tier. That's pretty incredible. And I, I got to shout out, you know, Rob Stark from Blue Chip Technology Foundation. Obviously, they're hosting the Blue Ridge Tour. They're coming out to the events, vending, doing film coverage. So shout out Foundation Disc Golf. And then also any of the TDs who are TDing these Blue Ridge Tour events. You're making it possible for people to come. I mean, there's people from Tennessee playing, the Carolinas, all over the place. They're coming and playing these B tiers. And 
you know, I, I didn't play great. I tied for 10th place, I think. And I think I walked away with almost 160 bucks or 116. I forget exactly what it was, but to be honest, to shoot two rounds of mediocre disc golf and make over a hundred bucks, I made my entry fee, entry fee back and my gas money. So honestly, I kind of would say I broke even at that tournament, which at my point in life right now is not the worst thing in the world, but I'm noticing a lot. And one of the biggest tournaments that I've noticed, it was an A tier that I played in New Hampshire last year. I got tied for third place and made 500 bucks. And I was kind of mind blown that I was like, holy cow, I didn't play great two of the rounds. I played okay, but still made 500 bucks for getting third place. And I was like, dang, that's that's a pretty good chunk of change for just playing disc golf. And so A tiers, especially Memorial this year, was just an A tier. Obviously, one of the longest running tournaments, one of the biggest named tournaments, especially to start the year. But $4,000 was first place to Paul Macbeth. And so it's just... I'm noticing a lot in the disc golf world that I think we're going to get to a point where you're going to see a lot of players only play B tiers and A tiers while still holding, you know, let's say a part-time job, and then they can go out and afford to live off of playing B tiers and A tiers. A tiers are right now averaging over a thousand bucks per event. You know, if you have enough A tiers locally within, let's say like a five hour drive or something, you can be a weekend warrior and make okay money with disc golf right now yeah i think it's worth saying that we've always talked about having regional pros like even hunter my son growing up he's like oh is that a local pro is that a touring pro like so there's local there's regional and i think a regional professional at this stage of the game can have a second job in that sense meaning They're out playing disc golf, and even at the one that I just played at, I didn't play on the pro side. I played on the amp side, but the pro side, first place was like 900 bucks. And, like, that's no joke. If you were able to do that, and now, granted, you can't guarantee a win, but let's just say top three. Top three was still, like, 500. So, like, Mm -hmm. if you're bringing home, and let's do that times four weekends, you're playing every weekend, you're able to play pretty well regionally, and you're really good at it. Um you're bringing home another thousand or 2000 or, or more dollars every month. That's you're not wrong. I mean, that's a, that's a part-time job throwing Frisbees. That's pretty good. And you're obviously, you're obviously spending a lot of money playing disc golf, traveling to events, tournament entries and everything like that. But if you're a good enough regional pro, like maybe your sponsorship is helping you pay for, let's say 50% of those tournament entries or a hundred percent of those tournament entries. They're maybe helping you out with, you know, gas and everything like that. I mean, there are definitely a lot of perks that sponsorships can help out with, but yeah, I mean, kudos to Shane Wyatt. He works full-time in the construction industry. He's the one who just won the B tier that happened in Massachusetts. Welcome to the jungle and shout out to him. He works full-time and still went out and shot incredible over the last two weekends. Pretty sure he played an event up in Maine shooting some 1050 rated rounds. I mean, that's incredible on his part, but yeah, an extra 900 bucks to play a tournament. That's probably an hour from his house. I mean, you drive day of you play the course throughout the year he might not have even played a practice round at it well um, yeah and it was in the rain leading up to it but but anyways i i I just you're you brought up the point i think it's worth talking about i think regionals are going to have that i think we're seeing the pro payouts Mm -hmm. at the large scale on the tour be higher uh kyle klein at a silver series and again Mm -hmm. i'm saying it like it's a lower event it's still uh it's an a tier right yeah it was an a tier yeah um four thousand dollars to first place i mean it's it's funny you're seeing the jokes or the memes going around he's like prom the night before four thousand dollars winner of the pro event the next day like 
He's a young kid. $4,000 is good. I mean, that helps him for sure. So, Oh, gosh. Yeah. A lot of people would love to get an extra $4,000, especially to go around and play some disc golf. I mean, it is. It really is. Is disc mania? I just thought of this. Is disc mania the, how do I say smallest? Smallest manufacturer with the best players? It, you see what I'm saying? We're talking like as far as yeah. manufacturers go, the size of them yeah. to the ratio of good players, Eagle, Simon, yeah. now Casey, and then Kyle with the win. I mean, that's four. Mm-hmm. That's pretty good for the size of the company, right? I mean, is there anybody else that would beat yeah. that? I don't think so. No, I mean, for the size of the company, because obviously Innova produces a majority of their normal line discs and everything like that. And so Innova has generally throughout the years always had a lot more players, a lot bigger caliber name players, but then you've always had the crush boys with Discmania, which is awesome to see. But then, yeah, you, you, we've had the Nate Perkins. Yeah. Um, you know, Avery Jenkins obviously plays events here and there. He's sponsored by Discmania. And then, yeah, with Casey and Kyle coming up, I mean, yeah, definitely think you're right to say that. It's interesting. I mean, the only other company, if you count Innova as, I mean, excuse me, not Innova, um, Infinite Discs, as a company like that to where Drew Gibson, if they, you know, say they got a couple more players in that boat of where they can throw that mixed bag and everything, but you had the Drew Gibsons out there, obviously a very high caliber player. Um, but yeah, I think it's definitely right to say Discmania has got that kind of locked down. Somehow they figured it out. They're like, yeah. it's a marketing thing, of course, too. I mean, cause you look at like, um, I would have put like dynamic discs in the smaller conversation maybe five years ago but they they didn't have they had you know eric mccabe but like they didn't have like this same level that i'm talking about disc mania and i don't think anybody yeah. at that smaller level did disc discraft was never small well i say never <laughs> they've been a large yeah. uh, manufacturer for yeah, a while yeah. so i like i don't know i mean prodigy did it i guess in the beginning if you think back to the beginning of prodigy yeah but they they sponsored a crap ton of players the first year right. that project came out. So they were almost like, you know, quantity over quality in a sense. Like I was just about to say, I think Discmania has a very good sense right now of quality over quantity. And obviously for Discmania's players' sakes, like I hope Discmania is treating you well. I mean, obviously Nate's been with the team for a while. Simon and Eagle have been with the team for a while. And so clearly they're doing something right. They bumped up Casey to the tour team this year. I'm pretty sure Kyle's already on the tour team. Like I, you know, for their sake, I hope they're compensating them well because you have some great players at their disposal, you know, like they're sponsored by them. So, yeah, they're obviously getting treated well. I don't know. Yeah. We don't know the money deal, but oh, no, no, yeah, in, in anywhere. And I think we even talked to Simon about this um, last the end of last year when Simon was on the show. It came up and it was like, what is what's your decision making? Like, how does that work? And it's it's not purely money. I think if the right number was thrown out there and I even, we, I think we posed this to him. Let's say it was a $10 million deal. He's like, well, then obviously like at that point, yeah. like I'm probably yeah. going to have to make a decision to do that. But like in general, yeah. if we're talking the difference between $500,000 a year and someone going, I'm going to give you uh $550,000 a year, 50,000 a year is a, obviously a huge raise, but mm-hmm. When they're thinking about, hey, I've been with Discmania this whole time and I love them and they've been good to me and I have a future with them. Like, it's it's like any employer. You got to make your decisions yeah. on like the beast you know and the beast you don't know kind of a thing. But I'm sure they're being yeah. treated fine. I don't know their payment is is comparable mm-hmm. to anybody else right now, but that's, who knows? Maybe it is. 
yeah, I definitely, you know, loyalty obviously goes a long way with companies and everything like that. So they seem like right now they definitely have some loyal sponsored players by them. And I'm, I'm excited to see Discmania grow in general. Um, but I, you know, I do like their players. They're a lot of great people. Obviously with Casey, I'm very good friends with Simon, Eagle, good friends. And uh, so it's been cool to see kind of like the uprising what about, of Discmania. What about you said, you know... Um... I'm having a brain freeze. A players like uh, loyalty to their br- to their companies that they're sponsored by. Um, here comes Paige Pierce again. <laughs> she was um, with Discraft for a while, then like a big sponsorship to uh, Dynamic, and Dynamic, that yeah, yeah, and that was pretty big for quite a while. And then you had that weird. I'm not going to call it a falling out. We're not going to be the ones to make that storyline. But there was how do I put it? There was some weird feelings i'll put it that way there's some weird feelings on all around that with players with uh sponsor agreements and she came out and said like hey like everyone we're all good personally this is a business decision and she Mm -hmm. felt like it was a good business decision but just out of curiosity this did cross my mind and call me crazy it why she's not playing a uh a big event coming up next week which is the dynamic discs open did this happen i'm having a brain freeze did this happen last year or the year before where she skipped out on this event i feel like there was one other event where she didn't go back that year it might have been the year after but i don't remember maybe i'm making that up i'm not gonna make a fool out of myself and say a random answer because honestly i have no idea i actually didn't even think about it when you know this next big tournament is ddo and that she's in hawaii right now hanging out um i took it more as in she hasn't been playing great and obviously has some stuff going on in her personal life and maybe wanted to take care of that while kind of relaxing at the same time. So yeah, it, I actually didn't even put two and two together, but now that you say it, yeah, maybe there is a little controversial story I that comes know. with it, but I'm not trying think, to make controversy. I just didn't know no, if no, there's no. like any play. Fun. Yeah, I just didn't know yeah. if there was any play at all there where it's like, ah, I don't really, yeah. I don't want to be around that environment. Like it's a good environment, yeah. but I mean, where she's at mentally, whatever she's been saying, you know, things she's been working with, trying to fall back in love with the game, all that she's been mentioning about it. Yep. And then, like, I'm make, I, again, I'm making it up. I'm a, I'm a media talk host, and uh, yeah. I, I feel like there could be something there. She's like, I need to get my brain to relax on this, and I don't need to go back to things. Maybe there's memories there. I don't know. Good memories? But I don't know. But she's not going to be at a big event, which is a very big event. I think kind of the basic answer is... Yes, there could be some reason why she's not going to this event. Maybe it's because of the sponsorship or the people or whatever. Uh, I think professionally, though, I don't think that it's a reason at all. I think she just, you know, at least a while ago, wanted to go out to every single event, win it, make some incredible moments happen at those events. I don't think it ever mattered when it came to sponsorships or anything like that. But the basic answer, yeah, there could potentially still be some lingering factors with everything that happened. But you know, I'm not 100 percent sure. Well, so. the chat, the chat's correcting me, so you can just take my drama and uh, throw it in the trash. No, they're like, didn't she win last year? And uh, yeah. she announced at the beginning of the season that she wasn't playing DDO. So whether well, that's true, I'm assuming I, that's I just true. The whole, <laughs> I, you know, I just wasted five minutes of my life talking about something that didn't matter. I guess that's all right. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. That's all right. Um, no, so kidding. I hope she enjoys her time in Hawaii. Whatever you know, that relaxation. Yeah. She posted um, about playing disc golf on the shoreline of like a Hawaiian cliff. And I'm like, yeah, I saw that. She's like, this is excellent. This I is got great. Very jealous. Yeah. It's yeah. like, man, I should go back and forth to Hawaii myself. Um, 
yeah, right. I'm like, I should go look at houses in Hawaii. It's what Disc Golf Rich does for you nowadays. Cannot, yeah, I definitely cannot afford that. <laughs> um, but kind of like finishing out the show, I just want to give some shout outs to the local scene of Massachusetts. They're doing incredible things, but mainly we've said this a couple times now, but shout out to Bob Kolchuk. Um, he's obviously ran great events over the years, but this Welcome to the Jungle event over the last few years has been incredible. Great money has been added into it. He takes a lot of time and effort in planning the event and making sure everyone can play the event. I mean, he set up when the Welcome to the Jungle filled, he did like this redeployment tournament that someone else TD'd, but he was, you know, in part helped setting it up to where they played it at a different course and just... He's looking out for the players in the Massachusetts and the New England community in and of itself. I think one of the most incredible things that he did was he only opened up registration to the FPO side of things first when it came to the pro day. And they had the biggest FPO turnout, uh, turnout they've ever had. And possibly for a local tournament, Massachusetts, one of the biggest FPO turnouts in general. So a huge shout out to him. But one of the big things is uh, Shane Wyatt took down first place, uh, taking home $895 which is awesome. We said just over 900 or just under $900 FPO division. First place took $555, which is awesome. I'm pretty sure there was over 20 FPO players in it. And then actually Bob running the event was able to play the event, won the MP 40 division also took home $555. So Jessica Beckett, uh, Beckett, I don't know her. I don't know if you do Matt, but Jessica wow. Beckett was the one <laughs> who won the FPO division, Shane, MPO, Bob, MP 40. A lot of great names were out there. I but, filmed. I filmed Jessica Beckett winning. Oh, I was right. the yeah. uh, media guy. I was the Terry Miller of this event. Yeah. <laughs> I brought in yeah. my brother-in-law to film catch cam and we uh, filmed it. And um, yeah, she'd performed well. In fact, nice. we've already scheduled her and another to come into studio and record commentary on the production. So that will be in a couple of weeks, but yeah, Heck yeah that's good events cool. up there. Uh, I guess. And then obviously shout out to the foundation guys, blue chip technologies and everything like that for hosting the blue Ridge tour. People give shout outs to your local TDs. They are working a very thankless job. And if they're putting in all their effort into it, it goes a long way just to say thank you, to be honest. And, uh, coming from someone who I've never TD an event, I have no desire to TD an event. I love playing them, but someone like Matt who has TD, you know, events before and especially children's events, like, kids disc golf and everything like that. Like it's a very thankless job for all the volunteers and everything like that, who just put in a lot, a lot of effort into it. Most of your TDs are working 40 plus hours a week at their normal job. And then to top it off, they're helping you have a great weekend of disc golf. He also did an am side the day before, which what, there was a crap ton of people. Well, and that one too. Well, so because the wait list filled up, it was like 90 people and then like another like 70 or 80 people on the wait list. Yeah. He opened a whole nother event up like a couple miles down the road. Insane. So it was a total of, yeah, like almost, almost 300 people at a weekend of disc golf that he did, which is excellent. And it, it's a B tier and it's just really cool how the sport's okay. just exploding. Oh, really cool, cool, given... cool story to share, like as a, a feel good, if you will. My dad's listening. Mm -hmm. If my dad's listening. Uh, yeah. he knows this, but it was really cool to be able to play my dad's. So my dad's got into the sport about, he says two years. It took, obviously that's like right when he started. So like, he's been really getting into it over COVID and all that. And now he's up here and he's been playing like one round flex starts. He's really enjoyed that. Cause he can kind of just pick a time and go. Yeah. But this yeah, yeah. past weekend was his first ever, ever two rounds of disc golf in one day, which I was surprised to hear. Yeah. Um, he's in his sixties. 
first day or first time playing two rounds of disc golf. And because I sponsored the event as like a whole sponsor, Bob Kolchuk allows you to pick who you start your round with. I picked to play with my dad in his first ever two round event. Totally cool. It's probably why I shot so well. I was playing with my dad. I was going to say, dude, that's awesome. <laughs> I didn't even know that. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's freaking sweet, dude. It was. And I'm like, it, yeah. it was, I'm just going to say it was a cool experience. I'm like walking off and I'm like talking to my dad about disc golf and I'm going like, man, like my mental game is like good, but now I wasn't prepared to be in the lead going into round two. And I'm like talking yeah. disc golf. He's like, he goes, well, what would you tell Hunter? And I'm like, my dad's like coaching me on like mental game for yeah. disc golf. And it was really cool experience. Um, he, he did it fine. He walked off the course after two rounds is very hilly course. And, um, mm -hmm had a great time and I had a great time. And so anyways, that was a very cool experience. Uh, shout out to you, dad. I'm glad you got into the sport when you did. Cool. <laughs> yeah. That's wicked. Cool. Well, Matt, do you have anything else to talk about? Oh man, I don't think, <laughs> I don't think people need to hear me talk anymore. Um, but no DDO's coming up. Uh, picks to win it. Oh yeah. I would like to see, that, yeah. I would just like to see, and just in general, we don't need to full blown talk about it. Uh, yeah. I'd like to see Paul McBeth win it. I think that would be a very epic win as in he hasn't yeah. had a major, I don't want to call it a major, like as in a PDGA major, but he hasn't had a very large win this year. And that would be, yep. that would put all question to bed about like, is he going to be able to do it again this year? I know he can, but if he did it, yeah, it would just exactly. be like the conversation's over. Like right now. Exactly. <laughs> like, okay, he is still in yeah. the conversation. Like, He's playing great disc golf this yeah, year. No exactly. doubt. Just people are playing Top five. very, very well. Um, he won it last year, so I think possibilities are definitely huge for him. And uh, they got out to the event a little early. They skipped Missouri like they were originally planning on doing, so he's probably gotten some good practice rounds in. But, uh, yeah, I'm super excited to see this. I enjoy watching this event sometimes. Um, lately, now more <laughs> so, just because I love watching disc golf in general. I have no desire to play in those wins ever. I hate playing in the wind. I said to so many people this last weekend, I would 100% rather play in the rain than the wind. I just, I hate the wind so much. It's oh, insane. Man. And I feel like every day in Virginia right now, it's freaking windy and it's ticking me off, but whatever, I'm slowly learning how to play and it's still very poorly, but, um, no, I'm super excited to see it. And then FBO side, I, I can't say who is going to win it. I think Katrina Allen, if she is going to the event, I'm sure she is. She has the best chance of winning it, but I think right now it can be anyone's weekend in anyone's division. Ricky obviously has a ton of momentum going on. He's playing insane. But How good Kansas is, is disc golf? How good is yeah. disc golf right now where this is the best part of yeah. the sport right now? We've longed for the day where mm -hmm. it could be anybody's game. I love that exactly. about the sport. I felt like that was always something oh, yeah. golf had where he was like, if you win an event in golf, like once you just made your career, like disc mm -hmm. golf is working towards that where it's not going to be Unless if you do win every single time for a year, two or 10 years, you would, you are Tiger Woods. You are an elite at the elite, yeah. elite, elite. But like, exactly. I think any accomplishment in the next, especially in five years to come, if you win one pro tour event, it's going to be a massive deal for your career. That's the future to come. We're getting yeah. closer to that. We've, we've kind of talked about it every week. We didn't so much last week, but uh, our Brody tracker, I'm curious to see this event. He actually, Started off the event hot last year, and then I think he had to drop out because of a very bad Lyme flare-up. I yeah. think he had just been kind of like diagnosed with Lyme disease at this event, 
uh, or right before it. So I remember he tried playing. Him and I talked a little bit. We were texting back and forth. But um, I'm curious to see. Same thing. He skipped Missouri, went out to Emporia. Curious to see how he plays at this event. Kind of keep our Brody tracker going on throughout everything. But uh, What do you think about Jones yeah. Gold being added into this? Because I think that actually is going to be, I think, helpful for his game at this event. Um, I saw his vlog that he posted. He played, I saw nine yeah. of the holes he practiced. And for me, it was slightly nostalgic for two reasons. One, because we used to see those courses being played at. Um, and I have memories of like Paul and Ricky, like battling out in some of those holes to like try to yep. win. And um, that was cool to see. But I've also played with Hunter, my son out there on those courses while he competed oh, cool. at the junior yeah. world championships. We said, oh, let's play some Very of these cool. extra courses. So like, I'm really excited to see Jones Gold, and I think it will be good for Brody's game. Um, mm -hmm. And again, nostalgia for those who have watched the event in years past. It will just be like, I, I think they're an excellent addition as opposed to just seeing Country Club over and over and over. <laughs> like, it'll be good yeah. to see another course in the mix. So that's my now take the, on the it. The tournament's starting on Wednesday this year. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. So I'm assuming that, assuming that means it's a four-round tournament going Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Yeah, I guess I'd have to look that up. Right. Um, look that up really quick. I, obviously, that's an assumption. And I'm pretty sure I'm very correct on that assumption. Um, <laughs> I feel like that's but, accurate, yeah, but I I'm, don't want to speak out of play if that's not the case. But Yeah, I'm very curious to see Jones getting added back into it. I think Eric McCabe had made some course design. I'm pretty sure he's the one who designed the course. I'm pretty sure they made some changes this year. Uh, from what I heard, it's like a par 70 over 10,000 feet, which... I love to see it. I love seeing hard pars and hopefully, you know, we're in for a great show. I mean, if you're not subscribed to the disc golf network and you want to watch live coverage, go subscribe to the disc golf network. Uh, one other really cool thing on the disc golf network is Matt does another podcast <laughs> strictly on the disc golf network, you know, sponsor me, Matt, I take 50 bucks a week from you, but uh, <laughs> I, maybe I should have you on as a guest analyst at some point. Like, yeah. We'll Maybe. do a segment where we One bring day. in Nick, the Nick and Macho segment. No, but yeah. but since you brought it up, let me do like a 15 second deal on it. It is strictly non-podcast. And what I mean by that is we're actually producing it more as a TV sports show. So we're not talking like okay. this. We're literally analyzing um, what's happened, what we think about things in more of a TV show way. It's a 45 minute show and you can catch it only video. So again, it's not podcast. You can find it right now. They're working on their homepage. You have to kind of search uh, my brother's name and my name right now. Easiest to do is Matt and Josh, but they're working on that. Yeah. But anyways, thanks for shouting that out. Um, so uh, Matt, you're, you're telling me that this whole time we've been podcasting together, you've known how to do a 45 minute show. <laughs> you're telling me this now after our average length is over two hours. <laughs> And Nick. I used to work a full-time job where I woke up at 3.30 in the morning. Believe it this or whole not. Time, Matt. <laughs> Believe it or not, on the other <laughs> no, show, Nick, I talk me. I talk a total yeah. of probably like less than 20 minutes. It's incredible. Yeah. That's funny. And <laughs> with your brother, Josh, I, you know, if you two are anything alike, obviously you both can talk and, you know, you have very insightful information. So, uh, yeah, Josh anyways, is awesome. Anyways, yeah. It, it's funny because yeah, Nick, you and I are friends. My brother, we're all friends here. And it's funny how like we do yeah. all these things like together separately. It's, mm -hmm. it's super cool. I, I'll just remind you, we're calling out the bogey bros again at the end. If they, if they happen to catch Indeed. the end of the show, we're calling them yeah. out again. Hey, people get out there, tag the bogey bros and say, Hey, you're going to respond to Nick and Matt. Let's make it happen. 
All right, everybody. Let's make it happen. Have we made it to that cool. point, Nick? Yep, I think so. So please go uh, like, subscribe, comment on our YouTube channel. It is under the Foundation Podcast YouTube. Uh, also, check us out on all your favorite podcast platforms. To be honest, I don't even know what they are because I'm not really much of a podcast person, but I'm sure they're everywhere they need to be. And uh, yeah, enjoy the show. Tell someone you love them. We appreciate you guys very, very much. Don't forget, we have hats for sale and shirts for sale on foundationdiscs.com. And uh, Matt, I appreciate you let me do the show notes this week. <laughs> Actually, I am interested in the response from the, the listeners. Uh, let us know what you thought. I thought it was great. Cool. We'll, we'll talk after, Nick. We'll talk. Yeah, we got to hang exactly. up the call now. We'll talk after. All right, everybody. Exactly. Tell someone you love them. Have a phenomenal week. We'll catch you in the next one. Nick, you're awesome. The Nick and Matt Show, a disc golf podcast designed for you, the disc golfer. Find the Nick and Matt show on your favorite podcast platforms or stream us live exclusively on the Foundation Podcast YouTube channel.